Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. Yes, you did. Paul F. Tompkins. Come on. That's that's an exciting one. Weirdos, please enjoy the following episode. Uh, as always, just a couple things up top. First of all, you can email the show now. Uh, I've been really loving the emails coming in. Weird at Nerdist.com. Everybody, not just saying this, ha- have been keeping it real crispy, e-crispy with the emails. So I appreciate those, and I'm doing my best to get back to everybody. Uh, also, one, one of the things that's been inspired by uh, what people have been doing on Tumblr and stuff with the show, where they're taking little moments, little moments, and then uh, putting them on Tumblr, little quotes, little uh, dialogue exchanges, uh, where, for example, Nick Kroll uh, doesn't know the name of the show, and I say no one ever knows the name of the show. They always call it Getting Awkward with Pat Helms, Fuck You. And then Nick says, actually, Pat's show is great. Whenever I see those little things on blogs and stuff, it does me so well. So this is what we're going to do. If you guys have a favorite moment from any of the episodes, a little exchange, me uh, and the guest, uh, the guest by themselves, me to get, me by myself, it doesn't matter. Whatever your favorite little moment was, if you can find a way to post that, if you want to illustrate it, if you want to write it out creatively, I don't care, uh, a drawing, it doesn't matter, post it on Facebook, facebook.com backslash you made it weird, because I just love to know the moments that stick out to you guys as weirdos out there across the country and the world and all that stuff. So please... Do that. <clears throat> we're going to pick our favorites here at the show, and we're going to send you something. We'll be in touch, and we'll send you something. I don't know. We can't send something to everybody, but we'll pick some of the favorites. We'll send you, I don't know, a CD. We might be doing some T-shirts. Who knows? But it'll be cool. So go to Facebook.com backslash You Made It Weird and, uh, and post something on there that's a favorite moment of the show. And here, as always, housekeeping. If you want to jump ahead one minute, it'll be all done. Thanks to everybody, first of all, that came out to Austin. Uh, that was awesome. Weirdos came out in force. Madison is March 1 through 3, Comedy Club on State. Going back to Austin on the uh, 13th for the first uh, live You Made It Weird. Todd Berry, Kumail, trying to get some pretty big names in on there as well. Uh, April 12th through 15th in Portland for the Bridgetown Comedy Fest. May 10th through 13th, Laughing Skull Atlanta. May 17th through 19th, Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. May 31st through June 2nd, Comedy Attic in, in Indiana. That's it. The show is brought to you by Gamefly. Gamefly.com backslash weird for your free two-week trial. It's basically a service that sends you video games, lets you play them, return them when you're done. They got all the hits. They got the Pickle pickle Knucklers. They got uh, Smash Face and the Two-Ton Gang. They got Call of Duty, Arkham Asylum. <laughs> they got uh, Arkham City, Modern Warfare 3. Uh, they got all the hits. Xbox, PlayStation, which, whatever, your, whatever your fancy is. Do you want a free online community or do you want something made by uh, Bill Gates? Personally, I like Xbox. That's me. Enough with this. Play the episode, Katie. You're doing a great job. Of the fun that When you say a lot of fun. That I'm having? Yeah. Oh. 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 I didn't realize you, you oh. were the only one having the fun. Oh, well, sure. I'm say I'm number two. Do you remember the I'm first go time you here. saw good, oh, yeah. good stand-up? Does that ring a bell for you? Uh, you know, I started stand-up early. I started when I was 17. So, but so seeing it live, yep. I would see um, you know acts that would come in from New York and L.A. and everything, and of course there were local acts that were good too. Oh, because this is in Philadelphia. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't feel like a Philly guy. I'm sitting with. Uh, are we recording with Paul F. Tompkins? <laughs> you know what? 
Uh, what if that's when you found out that's I'm when... suing you. I wanted when I was a kid. I wanted to write a, a short film about a guy named Hank who has amnesia and he's kidnapped. Right? They hit him on sure. the head. They kidnap him, and then he uh, he doesn't know who he is until he's in a Burger King. And on the on the garbage push things, you know, the it says thank you, yeah. Yeah. and something has covered the T, and it says Hank you, and he's like I'm Hank, I'm Hank, and that's when it all comes back to him. I mean, I was like eight, eight or nine when just, I was like that would be so funny, Hank you. You just spoiled the whole thing. <laughs> well, it's in the trailer. It's it's revealed in the trailer. Oh, this it's, is like the artist. Yeah, I saw, it, I saw I saw a trailer. The artist is a silent yeah, movie. Yeah, the artist is how I picture you dream every night. <laughs> Riffing, riffing, bits, this bits. And we're busted balls. <laughs> we're in, we're here. What I like about stand up? We're here busted on balls. McDougal Street uh, in front of the esteemed comedy cellar. <laughs> and we're breaking balls. <laughs> we're breaking balls and we are you riffing. You say breaking balls. I do say breaking balls. Oh. You know you know what's another great stand up saying? Eat, eat a shit sandwich, eat shit. Ugh. Do you do that? Do you say I ate shit? No. Really? I do not. I, I will say I ate it. You know, I we, we just said when I, when I was coming up. <laughs> We just said I ate it. Meaning shit, though. I guess. I never thought about it. I never thought about... I think that... Or eating crow, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more... That's more when you were wrong about something. Although you were wrong oh, about how yeah, funny yeah, you yeah. thought your act was yeah, going to that's be. that's true. That's true. Yes, exactly. So that's the crow that you ate that There's night. also humble pie that you would eat. Ah, uh, cake versus pie. <laughs> you know what I was waiting for? Let's just free associate. You know what I was... No, that's a bit of yours. That's a <laughs> yes, bit of yours. Yeah. <laughs> You did not got the association. Hank you. And just in that moment, you knew that that was one of your best. Uh, you know where I was waiting for you to go in that? This is why you want to come on a podcast to have but, someone tell you. And I'm sorry you had to wait, by the way. To bring this up? To have this moment? Yeah, a, I had to listen to it. waiting for me to do Yeah, this is what everybody would like to do with every bit. I'd like to sit down with that comedian and be like, you know what I was waiting for you to get into? Uh, the spillage. I honestly think that pie would be more popular if it weren't so liquidy. I'm picturing some well, sort of nice party where there's couches that are white and children right. not serving pie. Sure, give them cake. Well, no, there's there's a variety of desserts. Let me tell you something. The, the I, I had a, a an exchange with somebody on Twitter recently, the yep. social networking platform, <laughs> and it was somebody that I've had exchanges with many times over the over the years. And they said, "Hey, how does it feel? What do you think of when people quote your bits back to you or refer to the bits?" Yes. And it was an interesting – and she said, does it bug you? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, you know what? I guess I've been thinking about it that it bugs me. But now it doesn't bug me anymore. Now that I've actually, now that I've actually started a dialogue with somebody about it, I, and I, I realized the, the problem for me is once I put a bit out there, that is all I care to say on the topic. Like, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's not like, – I, I, in my mind, it is not an ongoing dialogue. Right. It's like I've been well, working is... on this thought to make it funny. Yep. And now that I got it to where I want it, I put it out there and it's done. Now I'm on to a new topic. Right. It's not like, oh, I could talk about this forever. I do not want to talk right. about it forever at all. Right. But I just did that and I'm a comedian person. <laughs> and I honestly just had kind of like a fan moment where I was like, let's talk about you cake versus pie. free associating. I also was free associating. But the uh, fact of the matter is – I love both cake and pie. Everybody does. Because they're dessert. What are, what are, what are you, a monster? Yeah. Some people don't have a sweet tooth, which to me uh, is weird. As a friend of mine, my friend John, does not have a sweet tooth. And to me, that's impossible. I've been known to order the cheese plate for dessert, fancy sure. restaurant. Uh, it's an option, but absolutely. That, that's a savory dessert. Yes. I'm not always in the mood for sweet. No. I, I'm not I, saying I'm you should honest. always be in the mood for it. Gah. But never? When I was never. A, when I was a kid, they thought I had a sweet tooth. And it was just because I was always The hungry. doctors? <laughs> 
<laughs> your boy has sweet tooth. <laughs> he's smoking a cigarette. Tooth. Of course, it's an old yeah. timey doctor. Yeah, of course. Uh, no, it was it was because I was always starving. They're like, Pete loves the sweets. I'm like, no, this is just the only thing people have in bowls on their desk. I'm dying here. Please feed me. I'm growing in a way. Where, now, where are you? As a child, mm. around so many desks that are ah. bowls of candy. Well, I I picture my childhood as Mad Men. Sure, yeah. That you sort of practically lived in your father's office. My father's office was like dirty, uh, dirty. Uh, like uh, he was a dirty man. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he was an oil man. He was he, a dirt salesman. He is an oil man, and he sold dirt and mud. Some people That's don't want to make their own mud. That is why you are so obsessed with there will be blood. Well, I'm glad we got here. I cannot. I believe am glad we got here. This is just coming up. Now, Mr. Plainview, I'm sure you've talked about it. Mr. Plainview, wait! It just came up on Doug on Doug Benson's podcast. He doesn't like it. You, I was going to say, mm-hmm. you're in it. Oh, he doesn't like the movie. There, he doesn't be like it. He doesn't. He's like okay there with your blood. dad being an oil man. Yes, my dad is an oil man. Right. That's that's emotional prong number one right. thrown into that. Now, boat. Why did you never? Okay, I know I should have told you the that list, for the listener. For the listener, every time Pete sees me, I go, Mr. Plainview. Will you Mr. do it Plainview, the way you did it? Wait, oh, it's a little bit higher. Mr. Plainview! <laughs> well, I'm, yell- I'm running down the street yelling at him. And when you do it quietly, it does sound like I'm breaking your balls. Mr. Plainview! Mr. Plainview, wait! Yes. It is. It's just because of the distance yes. that makes it sound I'm that running way. down an old-timey street. And wait, there's also... Through mud. There's, there's also, horses around. Yeah, and a little crick. A lot of noise. There's a little crick. An old-timey fire engine was there. And it looks like that, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, oil uh, rig was real. That Derek? It, it wasn't added. It may have been. I don't know. Oh, come I don't, on. I, I honest, need you to pay I attention. I honestly don't remember. It might not have been. That might have been digitally added. Really? I don't remember an oil Derek being there. That would break my heart. But it was a long time ago. But it looked like it was pine, easily was, assembled. It, it might have been. But well, I look, I was freaked out. Like I was in this place. Of course. Let, let's I, I, I let's appear, bring it up. I appear very briefly in the movie. In the beginning of the movie, there will be blood. But also very prominently for someone who knows you, and, and, and it's the when you say I'm an oil man, you will agree. When I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. And you're sitting in the frame That's right. with the wonderful Daniel Day-Lewis, That's which is right. unbelievable. As Daniel played to you, my favorite character of all time. And not realizing at the time, having not been given access to the entire script, sure. like, I don't realize – this is the scene you hadn't where this guy screen? is declaring everything about himself. You know, like this is where he establishes. Yeah, it's in the. Tr- I am this dude. You know, right? This yeah. is my son. Yeah, I had no idea. It's a big deal. Yeah, I had. You no didn't get idea. to read the whole script. No, you just got a little side. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. just got a little. I don't piece even of know if I got that. I think you, I got that when I got to the set. You yeah. highlighted Mr. Plainview. Mr. Plainview, wait. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I was able to get off book reasonably quick. <laughs> Were you allowed to riff? Did you ever do three Mr. Plainviews? Oh yeah, no. It was it was very it was very loose and conversational and his yes. dialogue is written. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of but there's, he there's could, hubbub. I often try and isolate your hubbub. There's chaffa. Yeah. People are supposed to be like, sit that woman down. Yeah. Sit that that's not yeah. you, but one that of the guy me. one of the extras or I guess he's an actor because he's talking. Yeah. He chose to uh, uh, personify the eighteen hundreds. Shut oh, yes. that woman up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was actually there was some improvising that went on. Sure. Um between uh that because that there were a couple actors that had uh, more lines that ended up getting cut in the in the final product, yep. and the sit that woman down guy, and the guy whose woman it is, and the woman, um, all people who I spent a day with and whose names I do not recall anymore. Oh, yes, so but they are they were wonderful people, and they were actors, and they had lines. Yes, they were real actors, and I felt guilty sure. being there because I was just some comedian I that understand. the director knew. Sure, um, and it was me and Flanagan, the owner of Largo, uh, the yep. uh, the the comedy the, the comedy theater, the theater here in town, uh, music and comedy. Venue. Um, 
and we were, uh, you know, there just, just basically. I think we looked old timey enough. And uh, oh, is Flanny in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He is, Shut he's up. way in the background. And when when Daniel Day Lewis runs out the door, Flanagan don't right, need the lease. Flanagan is right by the door, and he Flanagan had his arms folded and uh, gives one of these like a wave, like ah, uh, who needs you? Really? Yeah. He's, he's, That's like fantastic. what a waste of time this was. Yeah. I love it. Did you talk to the DDL? Oh, very, very briefly. Did, was he always in character? Uh, not all the way in, but he was. Uh, he was sort of in it um, the whole time. I mean, he's not not to the point where he's like, "Please address me as Mister Plead." Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, he, but he was trying to keep the voice. I think for British actors, well, he's British. Yes, the American accent is is uh, is a little more elusive for them than it is uh, British for us. Chelsea Peretti, who comes up on the podcast a lot, she's a good friend of mine. Said recently, she was like, "Either I can have the personality I have." Or There Will Be Blood can be my favorite movie. I can't have this personality and have that be my favorite movie because she thinks it's too dark. Oh, I see. Yeah. We were doing uh, Doug Loves Movies, and Doug agreed, actually. He thought it, he thought it was too I've, – I've seen it so many times. I love it so, so much. Uh, you know what? I, I guess I don't have a problem with how dark it is. It never, it never occurred – I guess when you say that, yes, I will. I can agree that that movie is very dark. It is. But I don't dark. think of it as a very dark movie. I think of it as no. a very. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, it's such a because it's so. It's such an epic, you know. Yep. That I don't. I don't think of it as. Maybe it's a survival instinct. Like it can't be that dark for that long, or you'd kill yourself. You mean <laughs> it's got to get better for the character? You mean? No, I mean it's just like you can't. You can't dwell on the darkness of it too much. Yeah, you know, it is heavy. Oh yeah, absolutely. but I, I feel like I, I feel like happy or seeming people like me need to act out the darker sides, and it might be through movies and stuff. I think so. I, I th- mean, I think I, there's also lessons that can be that can be found in in a dark movie. That the lesson about uh, humanity, society. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the our the way our, our system of uh, 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 the way capitalism works. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff in there. Huge themes that. Um, oh yeah. You know, I, it, and it's not necessarily. I think dark to me means that it's. It's saying uh, that it's it's at heart it's pessimistic. Yes, which I don't think it is. I think that if you show a darkness, I don't think that's being pessimistic. Yeah. I think it's sort of saying, uh, "Look, maybe don't be this way." Right? You know, maybe this well, is not a, how you should it's live. It's a cautionary your life. tale. Yeah, yeah I actually yeah, yeah, think yeah. about that all the time which, in you know terms yeah. of comedy. And to me, I think that mitigates the darkness. I think so too. That it's a cautionary. It's tale. a lesson. Yeah, it's like a fable. Yeah, he wants so badly to uh, 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 please. Trust me, I know we've talked about this on the show before. We'll only talk about this for a couple more minutes. But uh, he wants so badly to get away from people. Mm-hmm. He wants. He says he wants. He he sees people nothing worth liking. He wants to get enough money that he can get away and never see them again. I see a parallel to the comedian. Mm-hmm. There's comedians that are that are overthinking and they just want to be left alone. Like mm-hmm. I, I see these older. I, I don't want to say any names, but think of older comedians that we know that never get married and just kind of like yeah. want to keep themselves safe and insulated and and protect themselves. And I feel like that's a risk that we run to be so obsessed with our work, like oil refining or whatever, or looking for oil. Yeah, uh, that we don't that we forego family and love and relationships, and that and that to me is well the, the one caution. the one is the other though. It's that because you you don't want any of those things, or because you you feel the need to insulate yourself, that's why you throw yourself into work to such a degree that you you make it the excuse. Yeah, well, I can't. How how would I have time for anything like yeah. that? You know, I have to. I'm driven to do this work. I'm this ambitious. I'm blah 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 blah. Right. But it's really running away from something, you know. And that uh, that character is putting it that 
plainly, that is not something that happens often in life. You right. know, where somebody says, yeah, I don't want to be around people. But a lot of comedians, can you relate to the idea that comedians often, uh, one of my favorite, it's come up on the show before, Seinfeld would, looked at a group in the, hanging out in his green room, and he was like, I can't wait to get out on stage because I know what to do there. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what to say to these people. Right. That's sort of like I want to get away from, I kind of relate to the overwhelmedness that a lot of comedians can oh, feel I feel like amongst the, other people. Yeah, I feel that the the older I get, the more of a difficulty I have in in large groups of people. Yes. where I get very anxious, um, and uh, I I can do it, but it's not fun. You know, the, like the more people there are, like to me, I love a a gathering, like a a, a dinner party kind oh of thing. Oh my god, twelve people, Paul, I've is been great. This. I've been saying this my whole yeah, life. It's I've been great. eighty since I was eighteen. I swear to God, <laughs> I've never. Liked a big party. I was listening to a lot of your stand. I used to when I used to drink more. Really, when I was a heavy drinker. But I didn't. But it finally dawned on me one day, like, oh, like because I, I went to this party and I wasn't drinking. I was like dieting, and uh, so part of it was to stay off booze for like a month or something. And so yeah. I was at this party, and it was boring, and I wasn't having a good time. And it was a lot of people that I didn't know. You know, it was a big, uh, it was a rap party for something, and so there's a lot of strangers there, and you know, parties like that, you end up. You don't get to spend a lot of time with the people you really want to spend time with, and you do spend a lot of time with people that <laughs> you it's don't. very awkward and yeah. you know, uncomfortable. Um, and so I realized, like, oh, the only way uh, this party would be more fun if I were drinking. Mm-hmm. And then I, kind of, it was like so stupid. And then I realized, oh, well, that's the problem. <laughs> is that you know? So what, what do you mean? Of, what is it? Well, mean? it's like. It's like I would probably drink less if I weren't using it as a crutch oh, to I get understand. me through situations that I don't want to be in. It's so f- I, I, so it's like, well, then don't go. Don't. And I realized, oh, I can leave. Yeah. I can leave. <laughs> like I, I was at this party and I put in an appearance and I was there for about an hour. And I'm like, well, there's no there, – no one is expecting me to stay at this party until the bitter end. <laughs> and I, I, I saw everybody and I said hi. And like yeah. it was perfect. I got as much pleasantness as I was going to get to – as I was going to get out of this party. I'm concerned with the relationships – Female to male or whatever, you're, for me it would be female to male. It's like that start that are rooted in like four or five drunken days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very concerned with that. What you just said, if I may compliment it, is very mature. It's a, it's a life lesson that like I'm just figuring out where it's like oh, I'm getting drunk because something's wrong. Like I'm not <laughs> yeah, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of You're this, using it for something. I'm using and I need it for something. Yeah. Like I can't tolerate this. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a couple drinks. And now – I can tolerate it, I get. Why not just go do something I'd really like to be doing? I Absolutely. Suppose, which is the idea, the capital DP dinner party, also double penetration, dinner party. <laughs> that Hopefully ends, the one leads to the other. Yes. <laughs> if I have a uh, yeah, ATM, <laughs> that's uh, automatic teller. No, ass to mouth. Uh, anyway, I, I've always pictured the big wooden <laughs> table, charming uh, I'm getting it from the movie Once. Have you seen the movie Once? I'm such a weirdo. No, I haven't seen that. It's really good if you like a nice cry. Uh, I do. I, I do. I like a nice cry. It it just has these musicians that hang out, and there's probably like 15 of them. And I know I've said this on the show before because it's my go-to when I picture a dinner party, wooden table, people are bringing great food, and they like sing and stuff because they're musicians. They bring yes. they bring guitars, and there's like an activity to do. That's fine. There's an activity to do together yeah. that like everybody enjoy. Everybody like enjoys singing. It's just like really hard to get to that place where you want to unless yes. you're with the people that you actually care for yeah, yeah and then yeah. then you don't have to get ripped when i was when i was a kid and uh you know i always wanted to be in show business and i would read these uh biographies of of these legendary hollywood stars and it would talk about all of them hanging
hanging out together, having these parties where somebody would play the piano and everybody yes. would sing. And I just like that sounds that sounds so great because when I was when I was a kid. Like, like when a little kid, when my parents used to entertain, and they didn't, they stopped doing it after a while. They didn't do it so much anymore. It's very rare that they would have a party. You right. know? But when I was a little kid, I remember parties and that being the most exciting thing in the world. And we had a piano in the house. And uh, anybody that, that could play the piano would play and people would sing. And it was like that, that – there was something about that to me, the warmth of that yeah. and the um, – Even the, the warmth of the Im- – The Im- joy of yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. was like a thing that, that very much uh, like imprinted on me that yeah. this is a wonderful thing. Yeah. you know. And look how happy everybody is. Like yeah. every – just looking around that, that sea of faces, which you know, in my mind – it was, you know, a hundred people. It was probably like, you know, a dozen people. You right. Know? But it was it was wonderful. And it, that always stayed with me. And so uh, I – when I moved to Los Angeles, I eventually fell in with this crowd of people, this very talented group of, of comedians and musicians. And um, uh, John Bryan, the, the great singer-songwriter and composer, um, he and Marilyn Rice Cub used to uh, – they were a couple for, for many years. And uh, – Wait, I don't know who that is. Marilyn Ricecub, who was on Twenty Four, she played Chloe on Twenty Four. Okay, wait, um, is she the daughter? No, no, no. She was like the 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 cranky Chloe. computer uh, Janine uh, Garofalo girl. No. Janine was on Twenty Four playing a cranky computer girl. Your face is so what? disappointed that I don't know who. Well, like it's like Rice you're correcting Cub. me on who she is. <laughs> it's like you're thinking of Janine Garofalo. No, I am not. I didn't even say that. I was like, oh, you're Janine Garofalo. You're saying her name wrong. Rice Cub, you were way off. Well, I've never said it out loud, so, so forgive me. So, <laughs> you've only seen it in print. That's right. And you thought it was pronounced Rice a, Cub? I, I thought Janine Garofalo was pronounced Mary Lynn Rice Cub. Because I have a passive vocabulary. You... And it's weird. I've met her so many times. <laughs> Okay, so this is an actress. It doesn't matter. It's a wonderful actress that you know. Yes. And so uh, they used to have uh, like a regular Sunday night (laughs) gathering. I'm still laughing about the (laughs) rest. It's fun. (laughs) I don't want to deprive you of that joy. (laughs) They would have a regular Sunday night gathering and it would be anywhere from – you know, uh, uh, ten to twenty people would uh, be over, and we there would be like a potluck dinner, and and uh, uh, oh, it was when because Marilyn was also on the Larry Sanders show, um, where she replaced Janine's character. Oh no, on that show, yeah. Oh god, yeah, and the yeah, universe yeah. just folded. Yeah, in after on after Janine after Janine left, Marilyn came in and 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 played. Uh, so that. this this girl is just Burger King Janine. If she does a computer geek on Twenty Four, that's what I do. If she's this on Larry Sanders, I figured your friend. Bur- Burger Kinging Janine. What does that mean? Burger King. It's something that I'm trying to get going. It, it'll never happen. How dare it's, you? If you're if you're McDonald's and you open off the highway of Route 128 in Boston, I will Burger King you and open one right next door because Burger King doesn't have a research department for where to open. They just let McDonald's do it. Oh, I see. So that she's Burger King. Is this true? I don't know if that's true. That def- doesn't that feel like a fact that if we looked it up, it wouldn't be true. Uh, it well, it feels like a thing that Burger King should be doing because it's very smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> why should you waste all that money? Yeah, you know? I often say that I, I'm Burger Kinging Marin doing this podcast. I'm Burger. I have no shame about that. Because you're trying like, to oh. get into it. You're trying to get into it. Oh yeah. How's your dick, man? And remember, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think is happening on what the How's fuck. Your How's dick? your dick, man? <laughs> How is it? We were talking about it off mic. Talk about it now. I often go to dicks. Uh, sure. So Marianne rice cakes. So anyway, they would have these. Uh, oh no! Have these dinner parties. <laughs> no, no, don't do 
don't you bail on me, no. Mister Blame You? There's not much, Mister Blame You. Wait, just a, of, just a lot of fun. So, twenty people. Yeah. So it was. Now I was. I was living this thing that you knew that as I a had child. read about, and it was. It was happening. You know, like here I was in Hollywood, California, with all these uh, amazingly talented people. And uh, hanging out and and singing songs and you know uh, it, it was it was an amazing time. I love that. Yeah, it was I, great. I feel like we could be doing that. Yeah, that's one of the feelings of life is we're not doing that though. Like no, we could be. I think I think as it as people as as uh, as all of us our our peer group continues to age, more things like that will happen. I think you're you right. Know? And I'm looking forward but that's to that. Also, it's also a very Los Angeles thing. It's very, you know, New York is very much about going out all yep. the time. Yep. You know? But Los Angeles, because you have a different space and because everything's so spread out, yeah. it's more about entertaining at home. Well, that's, you know? that's funny. You uh, seem to know Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, yeah, a little, a little bit. bit, yeah. I, I, I heard he has like a, a barn with a movie theater in it. <laughs> yes. Which uh, Steve Agee was telling me that he went and saw an early cut. Don't worry, we're not going back to There Will Be Blood, <laughs> where he saw an early cut of There Will Be Blood at Paul Thomas Anderson, which I was just, I, I actually murdered him right there. I killed him because no one can have that over me. Uh, but the idea of these these homes, these places where we can entertain, where we can have like a little uh, wet bar and a piano and, a, mm-hmm. and that big wooden table that I'm picturing yeah. and have these grown-up parties. I've been wanting those grown-up parties since I was a child. Yeah, Parties that we have – and I'm talking about me maybe more than you, are kind of horrible. There's they're some bar and we're throwing down drinks and we're yelling. I don't know where yeah. to put the focus. I'm talking to someone and you're yelling some asinine shit where you're like, there's a UPS, UPS store by my yeah. house. They get all my mail because I move a lot. Exactly. What? Yeah. I move a lot. Yeah. I Why can't are do we it doing anymore? that? I can't do it anymore. I could never do it. Parties at bars, I just can't do it anymore. It's not fun, you know? It's it's not it, – it, it, I've come to value more and more the, the, the one-on-one conversation and how, yeah. you know, I, I – I, I've I'm I'm very much obsessed with like having a regular group get together like on a weekly basis. There, yeah. was, there was another thing that was like a um, a small group of us used to get together every Sunday at this uh, place called Cafe Des Artistes, which recently closed down. That's where I met my wife. You know, it was hey. this place we would sit on the front porch of this uh, this uh, cafe. Um, they they were behind the place was behind this huge hedge, and they had. Um, I'm it, picturing it you like, in a, a white suit sipping a mint julep. That happens sometimes, <laughs> not except for the mint julep part. But it was it was a very um, uh, uh, you know a smart group uh, of people, and we would. What I loved is when all of us, like let's say it was six to eight of us, were all talking about one thing. We were all talking about the same topic and having a group conversation. I hated when it would split up into yeah. little groups and then somebody would be talking about their auditions or whatever and yeah. it's like, oh, let's not let's all have let's all have a you know an interesting discussion about stuff because it's like all these people that I liked, you know, um and all smart people and that was to me the best thing. It was yeah. like we're all sitting around having a, a salon. You it know? seems to me like it's an an anxiety reducer for both of us mm-hmm. when people know the rules and are kind of playing by them. Yeah. Like it's like the yeah, rule yeah. is we're having like a grown up time and we're gonna be social and we're gonna be together. Yeah. Like I don't want you talking about your fucking audition, Jim. Yeah. Jim. <laughs> exactly. And we're gonna talk about this talk- topic because that's the reality we're trying to create for this Sunday yeah. afternoon. I'm picturing it on a Sunday. Yes, it was. It was it was like 
like a yeah. it was like a five to seven uh, on Sunday uh, oh, Sunday evening. God, that it was, was great. So great. It was great. See, this is what we're going for when we when we invite people over for cranium, but that just fails. <laughs> When people are like, let's play Cranium, the yearning is genuine. The need sure, is genuine. You're like, sure. I want to commune. Yeah. But then you ruin it with Cranium. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. I have a bit about Cranium. I'm like, when people invite me over to play Cranium, I'm like, you realize we're adults. We can do anything. Yeah. We can take fencing lessons or kill a dog. I was just talking with somebody about... <clears throat> you could do one and then the other. Well, you could kill him with the you, fencing you that you learned. You take, could take a fencing lesson, challenge a dog to a duel. He'll take it. Dogs Dog, are very dogs, noble. Dogs love a challenge. <laughs> they love a challenge. And they're, they're yes, they're very noble. They're they, they're they're honorable dogs. They won't take the scorn of turning down. You're, they will yes, not. Yes. Oh, a dog would never want to be called a coward. Never, even if it's a yellow lab. Get yeah. it? Yellow. I think I get it. Yeah, like you're yellow. Let's never un- call a yellow lab yellow lab. That's the Y word. Let's unpack this. <laughs> Let's keep it where it is. Uh, what were you saying? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <gasps> One of the things you said that was very interesting to me was that you always knew you wanted to be in show business, which is something that I'm always interested in, which is the idea of some sort of calling or some sort of like uh, even just a, being drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about um, Martin Short. Uh, one time said in an interview that he used to, and I know I've said this on the show before, but he, he's like, I uh, used to have an imaginary film career and mm-hmm. it used to get in the way of my imaginary television career. Like he, he'd go on talk shows and do fake interviews. And mm-hmm. like, I totally related to that. I was like, when I was a kid, I, I related to that. I was like, I feel like I'm on television. I feel like I need to make things and be entertaining and entertain uh, at parties. Almost like, just like you felt instinctual. Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. how you felt as a child? Absolutely. When I when I would see when I would watch a talk show and I would see somebody being interviewed on a talk show and I would think, Oh yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. That's, that's that looks like be it, interviewed? that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yes. Uh you know, it would be I don't know if it, if it was necessarily like, oh, I want to be the the person that's being interviewed um, because I just I just as much admired the host as well, and I was like, yes, all these people because it, it but and and again as a kid it seemed like everybody's just hanging out, yeah, you know it's it's we it it kind of sucks now to be inside it, and when you see somebody on a talk show and you realize this is just about promotion, yeah, you know these are not these are not all famous friends who are just having yeah. a sort of you know the cocktail you party, get in, yeah, 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 things get ruined, yeah, but it's like if you if you watch you know old clips of Carson and you would see well first of all everybody's dr- Everybody's drunk. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah. old Carson, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't. Oh know my that. God. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I remember being astonished to find out uh, that that Carson was a big drinker. He would drink before the show. I think he would drink during the show. I think they all drank during the show. Oh my. No, God. he had, he was a raging alcoholic. Really? I think literally raging. <laughs> he, he was he was like a mean he was like a mean drunk. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, always yeah. the nice. He seems like such a nice person. Yes. That yeah, the yeah. camera goes cut and he's like, "Shut your fucking mouth." Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Johnny. Here's Johnny. He takes his dick out. <laughs> oh no! And it's flaccid. What's he gonna do with it? I don't know. Johnny Carson. <laughs> Maybe he just wanted to see it in the light. <laughs> I want to see it in TV lights. <laughs> That's what he says. Uh, so uh, yes, it made sense. So, yeah, I always it it just seemed so. So wonderful and magical to me, um, but something clicked too. You were like, "Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. That's the ticket. It just looked like the funnest thing in the world." Yeah. and I and I and you know, I would make my little friends laugh and stuff like sure. that. So I thought, like, yeah, that makes that seems to be the, the logical extension of what I am doing now. Right, is that eventually I would be doing that? Not to force weirdness, but uh, what what kind of what kind of house are we growing up in here? I grew up in a house with um, uh, three sisters and two brothers. Uh, Irish and Italian, um, Catholic. You have to have some um, 
Do I have to? <laughs> I mean, is that... Look, I, I, I've not been like, a guest on your show before. Is that a thing where if if someone declares their... You have to do... Yeah, I'm Polish and whatever. Are I don't even want to do it. people doing that stuff? They must be, right? You know what's funny is we were – well, this, this kind of goes full circle to the beginning. Good stand-up. Yeah. I, I'm not – look, if anybody doing stand-up, it's noble and I admire you for trying. But – No, hold no. on a second. What are you talking about? I just don't want to sound condescending. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's default a noble profession. Well, I will say this. I'll say this. I think, I think that comedy is a, is a necessary thing yeah. and that uh, I think it's good for a society to have people to make them laugh. I think that's good. What I think I'm putting on the worst stand-up. Let's just picture him. Yes. He's the worst. The only thing I can applaud him is that I know it's difficult to try to do it. Absolutely. So let's talk about him and he goes up and he's uh, Jewish and uh, Jamaican. Yeah. So he's late to the half-off sale. I kind of want to see this guy. <laughs> That's his opener. I just did it. I'm Jewish and Jamaican. I do want to see this guy. He's got big red dreadlocks. Yeah. I don't know why I pictured a redhead Jew. Uh, those are the funniest Jews. Statistically, the funniest yeah. Jews are the redhead Jews. Absolutely. Are they Ashkenazi? I don't know what that means. Is that, is that... It's, a, it's a type of it's – a, it's a region, I think – Ashkenaz? That some yeah, Ashkenaz. It is not. It's not Ashkenaz. It's not Ashkenaz. Where that, the redhead Jews is, live at the foot type, of a mountain. That is a type of Jewish person. A redhead, like Jew. a Sephardic Jew, or it's a, it's a, <laughs> Sephardic. You never heard that before either. It has the word fart in it. That's all I need. That's a D, not a That's T. That's all I need. Uh, well, D sounds enough like T to make me giggle. Sephardic. Well, mission accomplished. Yeah, a turd is also a big hit uh, in my right. in my brain. <laughs> so it's a big hit. <laughs> it's a big hit up here. So the worst comedian in the world, they do do those jokes. It's it's astonishing to me if I do perform at a club how uh, a lot of those memes still exist. Yeah. You know, like a lot of those classic things that I think guys like uh, you and I and a lot of uh, comedians in this day and age I think are aware of it and are trying to move away from the uh, – you know, I'm guilty of it. I, I talk about – if there's a lull in the show, I'll talk about how I look like a giant Val Kilmer that's that's one oh one. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, I think that the, I, I think they're born out of the same instinct, which is survival. And the yes. thing about the thing about working in clubs, if you're just a club comedian, that's all you want to do. You just want to go from club to club and, and make a living, like kind of traveling around, having a good time, yeah. you know, drinking after the show. Uh, you're you're not uh, you're not trying to make any statements. You are just trying to you know. There's this a certain is the, this is the distinction. Yeah, right? there's a certain type yeah. of comedian that they're 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 just about getting uh, the maximum amount of laughs so they can be rebooked at that club. Yes. And the idea is like you'll make you'll make more and more money and you'll always be you'll always be working. That is absolutely a way to go. And if you want to do that, that is absolutely fine. Like I am not at all casting aspersions on that. Sure. I think I get very judgmental in my comedy snobbery about that. Well, type it of feels. Comedy. Like, it feels like uh, it's well, feels- you know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Paul just lunged at me. I I think it's that I it's a defensiveness on my part because I felt like when I was coming up and I was tr- I wanted to do something that was a little bit different and I wanted to be. I wanted to be as creative as possible, and it took me a really long time to get there. And it was not easy to to start out um, in in Philly and to start out trying to be as creative as possible because you still do need to survive, you yes. know. So to to kind of take your lumps in that way um, on the job uh, was really tough. On and, stage, and you're having people giving you unsolicited advice because they're not 
interested in any sort of artistic track that you might be on because right. they're not on one. They are club comics who are all about just getting – returning they, to the right, club. Right, right, So it's like, you know what you should do. You know, you it, want a middle rooster tea? Yeah, it's – Hey, Paul, you want a middle rooster tea? <laughs> Drop that whole cake versus pie thing. Talk yeah. about finding the G spot. Exactly. Every guy that I opened uh, with uh, on the road, his clothes are – I knew as an MC working clubs, I knew he was wrapping up if he said the vagina is a cave of mystery or something like that and talked about yeah. how you can't find the G spot. That's when I would stand up and go to the side yeah. of the room having never seen them before. And I was like, he's wrapping up. Absolutely. He's wrapping up. Yeah. And I, I – you know, maybe I am being condescending. I'm being condescending because I believe that there is a fine dine. There's like a meal that I could invite you over to my house and prepare and there's love in it. And then there's McDonald's. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing. I also think there's the, the, the reason I feel defensive about it is I might be saying – I feel like those guys are saying here's how comedy is done. Yes. You know, they're telling you here's the rules of comedy. There's one way to do comedy. Hey, when it's just a guy – at a microphone, right. that's real comedy. You right, know, right, set right. up punchline jokes. I said I write jokes for an hour every day. Beer on know. a stool. Yeah. So, so that's so that's somebody that's telling me you're what you're doing is not real comedy. And all I'm saying is, well, what you're doing isn't that funny. Uh. You know, I feel like I, my my stance is be better. You know, just be be more interesting and be more original. Right. You know, when when I'm saying that. If you're doing comedy where you have to worry about so much overlap with other comedians, where you're yes. saying, could you not do that bit because it's right. my closer, right. you know, like that right, kind of right, thing, right. get better at your job. Right. You know what I mean? But, okay, this comes up a lot, so forgive me, uh, weirdos, but uh, people that Am I do the weirdos? It, no, no, the listeners oh, are the okay. weirdos. I wasn't we're, trying sure. to, we're trying to get that started. I didn't know if, didn't know if you'd get, give me a pet name just now. Keep it crispy, Burger Kinging as a verb, weirdos. <laughs> These are things that I'm trying to get started. Totally. Also, just frangdu. That's when you, <laughs> when you walk in on your parents. You go frangdu when they're fucking. Sure. Uh, guys, <laughs> not just any time. I'm going to put this out there. <laughs> yeah, not just any time. If you're wrong, it's called a bladu. Oh. They say it back to you. They go, we weren't fucking, just oral. I hope they know the rules. <laughs> oh, God. It still counts. You didn't get into comedy to have sex. Put that at you. I'm guessing. No, I don't think that I did. But I'm guessing beer on stool Jamaican Jew did. <laughs> that, but that to me is... I that, Jamaican is, Jew. Beer on stool Jamaican Jew. <laughs> it's a traditional like, greeting. Sounds like you Chewbacca's meet, last name. When you meet a Jamaican Jew, it's traditional <laughs> to say beer on stool. Beer on stool to you. And to all your descendants. And to you as well. <laughs> For it is the day of Rosh Hashanah. But the day? That, that, <laughs> is it more, it's more than one, isn't it? It is the day of Rosh Hashanah. I'm so goy, I'm a can of beans. Well, it's Rosh Hashanah season. <laughs> it's atonement. It's we atonement. are entering the home stretch of Rosh Hashanah right now. Uh, the homeland, Israel. Israel. That's right. Chala. I admire the guy or gal who says, I'm going to get into uh, this uh, creative uh, 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 endeavor in order to have sex and I'm going to make it work. Like to yeah. me, if that happened, that would have been amazing. But I, it never even occurred to me like, oh, I could use this as a way yeah. to impress women <laughs> right. they would have sex with me. Right. I don't think I even trusted that. I, could, I, I think to me it was like, I got to get good at this. <laughs> but not again, not to sound uh, condescending, but it sounded like you said yourself you had an artistic path. You were like, I would like I to. I felt that I did, yes. Are you a Steve Martin fan? I, I, I was. When I was a kid, I was. That but to I, me was the beginning of I was like, oh, we could do this kind of in an yeah. art, arty way. When I, what was funny to me was, was how I read his book um, on a, on a Coast to Coast flight uh, yeah. from New York to L.A. I read the whole book. Ragger. Um, 
<laughs> Beer on stool, Jamaican Jew. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I forced that callback. I <laughs> I could have waited. I could have waited. I was afraid I'd forget it. It wasn't even a callback. It wasn't. It, just, it, there was no. Just I just said it again. I just That's not said to say it. it was a callback. I just said it wasn't a callback at all. I just <laughs> said the information. I said the words, the consonants and vowels in the right order. I just said it. So you're on a ghost to ghost flight. On a ghost ghost flight, I read the whole book, and I was I was kind of disappointed by it because, first of all, he was making the case that the reason he could never get back into do the reason he had to get out of stand up and could never go back to doing it was simultaneously it got too big. But also, he was noticing empty seats at the stadiums. Oh, that's interesting. So, okay, which which is it? It's, it's either too many people or not enough people. Right. But he sort of made it seem like I couldn't do – everybody knew all my material, and I couldn't do new – when was I going to work out new material? Right. But at the same time, Richard Pryor was still going to, to the, the comedy, comedy store, store yeah. and working out – like. Nobody is telling you you can't do it. You yeah. can drop in unannounced anytime well, this sounds, you wanted. This you sounds know? like the party thing. You can leave. Yeah. You can leave the Absolutely, party. Absolutely, yeah. I, I In therapy one time, I had a girlfriend that used to yell at me a lot. And my therapist was like, you can leave, you know. She yeah. Was like, you can walk out of the room. Yeah. It's this weird codependent sort of like I have to do what people are telling me to do yeah. that I don't want to assume Steve Martin had. But you can leave. No. I'm a grown man and I own a car. That's right. Get the fuck out of the yeah. way. I'm, I'm going to go fucking that, eat pancakes. That is a thing that I struggle with all, all the time. That I have yeah. to remind myself like you are actually in control of the situation. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. No one is putting this responsibility on you except you. Yeah. You he, don't have to do this. I look at Steve Martin and at that time and that's a, that's a very astute, astute attured kind of a, a observation about why he left and I wasn't satisfied with why he left either yeah uh, in fact, the book, the first time I read it was a disappointment. The second time I read it, because I knew what it was, it was better. I could look into it a little bit more. Right. But I, I wish I, – I look at it and I'm like, just go to a club unannounced. Yeah. I feel like it was a different time. Maybe you didn't really do that as much. You're well, saying Pryor was uh, doing Pryor it. Pryor did it all the time. And I, but I feel like – I feel like probably – and this is this is my interpretation of this. I could be completely wrong. I do not know Steve Martin at all. I've never yeah. met him. Yeah. But I feel like – his main goal was to get into movies. Like he wanted to become. It was a vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do not. I, I am not casting any aspersions on his creativity and and the stuff that he has put out. Which so much of that stuff I absolutely love and still to this day. Uh, and so I, I think it's fine if you if you use stand up as a stepping stone to a to another thing. Yep. that's fine. But I say that's what Letterman did. Just admit it. Letterman you know? admits it too, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's oh, funny you to say that. You think Steve uh, Martin should have admitted it instead of being like, it was too big. Well, I'm saying don't kid a kidder. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's fine to say like, oh, yeah. I got to stand up because I had no choice. Like, right. that's absurd. Like, right. you could be doing stand up now if you wanted to. I know, you know? I would love that. Yeah, but but also, I wonder Actually, if... Actually, I'm worried that I wouldn't love that going I don't... Here, here's why you might not, because I, I think that what he was doing, it... it you know, reading the stuff when he would quote the bits and everything. Yeah. It's like, I didn't realize at the time as a kid listening to the stuff, Oh, he's doing an anti-comedy thing. Yeah. He's doing like this absurdist anti-comedy thing that is just like so dumb, you know, that's, and that is why it is funny looking back on it. It wasn't funny to me anymore. Really? Yeah. I still, because it, it didn't hold up for me because I feel like 
it was so of its time, yeah. and it was addressing something of its. You time. couldn't do it now. That, I I agree. Not with the you. same way. I think you just led me. He would have to. Yeah. He would have to advance it. He would yeah. have to. It would have to evolve into something else. Yeah. You know. Although I will say uh, that listening to Steve Martin's albums currently, mm-hmm. the timing is so perfect that I still laugh, even though I know exactly where he it's is. Going. He is undoubtedly a funny guy. Yeah. Like I I will, I'm not trying to say he is. But not you had funny. an album that faded in and faded out, which I felt like was yeah. an homage to. Steve Martin. It it absolutely was an homage to those records that I grew up. And that, by that to. I mean it fades in. He does a bit, and yeah. then it fades each, out. Each track is like a song, if you it will. It could be on a shuffle at a party. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A music plays yeah. and then a Paul. There was there was a guy that thought that was a mistake that who? wrote to me. Oh, uh, oh like yeah. a fan? Yeah, a guy. No, not a fan. A guy that I kind of know who was like, "Hey, I don't know if you." Uh... What? <laughs> He's like, he literally said, "I don't know if you realize this." What? <laughs> yeah. Did he say like, it like the, disrupts the role or something? Uh, no, he was saying he was offering to produce my next uh, oh. CD because this one had been show, so shoddily produced yeah. that they accidentally faded up and down. <laughs> that is, I, I considered doing that just because I love Steve Martin's albums so much. That I, I love the little yeah. standalone. You can be like, listen to this track. You can do that on a regular yeah. comedy album, but the fading in is like welcome and the fade out. And I then they're like cutting it from different other, shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like there were other uh, albums that I listened to at the time. There might have been like a, a Bob Newhart record that that did that as well. You know, And it seemed sure. to me like a, a thing that was done. It was yeah. an option. And it never occurred to me that that was weird until uh, people pointed it out yeah. after I put that first album out. They are, they are, they are, still, uh, they are still very funny. I wish, I, I wish we were still doing it. But – He's one of those people that I don't want to meet because I'm afraid that he'll be a dick. And I'll right. be like, oh, I right, right, really right. regret meeting you. I <laughs> yeah. really, really regret. Uh, what was I going to tell? What were we going to talk about? We were talking about always wanting to be in show business. Yeah. And going back to the kid. Now, thing. did you always know? I did always know. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 I, I, it took courage to come up to the point where I was like, I, I want to do declaring it, being like, yeah. I would like to be a comedian. Oh, a yeah. scary declaration. Absolutely, yeah. I started by being like, I would like to be a cartoonist. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's like an entry gateway drug. I did that too. Really? Yeah. And then you're like, maybe I'll write humorous essays. Okay. Maybe I'll read them <laughs> right. out loud, out loud. Uh, from memory <laughs> in front of people. Yeah, it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard thing to do. Um, yeah. I feel I feel like I was right on the cusp of asking you something very awesome. <laughs> who gives a shit? Was that the question? <laughs> yeah, who, I'll, I'll tell you who does. Paul, who gives a shit? Me. Uh, do you care when you do badly? Yeah, yeah, I still well, care. I still care when I do badly. I, I will say this: I I I cope with it a lot better, and, and it's a case by case basis. Yep. There are some situations where even before you get on stage, you realize, well, this is going to be a nightmare, you know? Yes, And sure. then it's then it's just funny. But doesn't it you kind know? of, when even if I'm at a show where it's a nightmare, which mm-hmm. has happened a number of times, you're always kind of like, there's a combination to this safe. There's a way into this room. It it depends. Because it, to me, a nightmare is not like a dead crowd. Yep. A nightmare to me is a Rowdy. drunk crowd that won't shut up. Right. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you know, you, there's there's no... I, I I don't have that that instinct that says, even though everybody else did horribly before me, I'm going to go up there right. and I'm going to turn it around. I have that with There's a dead a, crowd. With a dead yeah, crowd, I'm like, yes. I'll get up there and I will. You will find it. Yeah, I'll You'll find, find it. it. And yeah, it's very yeah. satisfying. And if I don't yeah. find it and then someone else goes up and they find it, yeah. it'll plague me yeah. for, well, for a while. You know what, though? I, I feel like I've gotten in a better 
state of mind about stuff like that because I look at it, I, I, that's when the craft kicks in. And you're looking at the people that are going up before you. And we're talking about one of those nights where it's like at a festival or something where there's like a bunch of people sure. going on in a row sure. or a showcase night or something like that. And so you're watching uh, person after person and then you begin studying, okay, what are they doing? And what would I have to do differently? Yes. What, what is it this yes. crowd seems to be looking for? Right. So is it more – do they want more um, prepared stuff? Do they want more off the cuff? Yeah. Do they want it more conversational? Do they want it more of a performance? What yes. Do they want? So then you go up and then you try your thing. And then your little recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if it doesn't work, it's it's disappointing. But if somebody goes up after me and they're able oh, to do it, they, then I'm like, I want to see, well, what did they do? Right. You know, also they then had, it's just like to solve the mystery. <laughs> they had the information of you of watching your performance. Exactly. So yeah. they had more data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what I was gonna say about Steve Martin. What was it? And it's it goes back to what we were saying about how you don't want to talk about your bits. I do have a theory of what they got you have a bit about overhearing someone say, uh once I get $200, I'm out of here like Steve Martin. Yeah. And I only want to see if you've gotten this before. Steve Martin has a bit on Wild and Crazy Guy. It's called Wild and Crazy Guy mm-hmm. where he says uh, his goal is to do one show, one ticket for $10,000, and then I'm, I am out of here. Meaning I'm only doing oh. this for the money. If I get the money, goodbye. And does he say I'm out of here like Steve? I'm out. He doesn't say I'm he, out of here like Steve Martin. Because <laughs> he is Steve Martin. But does he, he say I am out of here? Because that does sound familiar to me. I don't me. think he says I'm out of here, but he says that's my show. One show, $10 million, goodbye. Meaning like I'm out of here. Yeah. Have you ever yeah, gotten yeah. that before? I've not gotten that Because in before. the bit, you say, please don't come up to me with theories on what they meant. But what he said. I, People still do, by the way. First of all, what's that? People do they? still do, Of yes. course. <laughs> I just did it. I am yeah. setting a terrible precedent. No. No. A terrible precedent. <laughs> but I'd like to think maybe I uh, I put a, a little salve on that wound. No? Salve. Salve. What did I say? Salve. Salvia. Have you ever done Salvia, it? Salvia, which ever... is the, the sugar. It's the, the natural sugar. Stevia. You can... <laughs> mm, oh, you knew what it was. Yes. You son of a bitch. What, are you oh. sharpshooting me? It's my timer. i got five what minutes till my you... meter runs out. Yeah, but it's a fail. It is a fail. <laughs> oh, thank you for reminding me. Oh, I parked at a failed meter. And you got out and went, fail, win. That's what you did. That's not really what happened. And and I, didn't you say win? I, I pointed at the meter and I said, fail. And then I pointed to myself and I said, succeed. Oh, better. <laughs> better indeed. I, you know what I'm so grateful for is your breakdown of what it's like to be a comedian <laughs> watching a terrible show and going... Okay, he's high energy. I'm yeah. going to try low energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he's talking to the crowd. I'm going to try just doing one-liners. Yeah. It's a bizarre and neurotic and nerve-wracking. Uh, nerve, nerve-wracking. Nerve I was going to say wrecking. Can I tell you my favorite thing to do in a situation like this? Yes, please. Is <laughs> to trash talk all the other comedians. Oh, my God. And, there and say, folks, I don't blame you for not laughing. Do you really do this, that? Oh, yeah, but as it's a obvious. Joke, as yes, a joke, obviously, as a joke. it's a joke. As a joke. This was horrible. Right, right, right. Act after act. I've... They all stink. Each one worse than the last. Ah, I'm with you guys. Wow, that's so funny. That's <laughs> and so when, funny. Here's what's funny. When that doesn't work, it's even more hilarious. Of course. Of course. <laughs> when people 
I've seen that happen uh, sincerely uh, where comedians will sell out someone who bombed oh, before yeah. them. And you're oh, like, I used to hate that. Yeah, you're like, what a dick. When I was, You've when betrayed I, yeah. us. You've when betrayed I, us all. When I was starting out and a guy would uh, – if I was emceeing and the guy, the middle act would uh, you know, like wipe off the microphone or do like a gag like that, you know, right. something at my oh. expense. I hated that so much. Yeah, you know? that's the worst thing. Because it's like, oh, man, you know what – I because – and I couldn't articulate this, but I think it is what we were talking about. Like, you know how hard this is, yeah. and that's what you do, you yeah. know? But that whole – And that's also survival, though. Yes, that's exactly. A, he's trying to get a laugh that, out of making fun of you because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's panicked that he's yeah. not good enough. Exactly. That And that type of that type of comic I've never liked. That sort of like, um, <coughs> you know, a survival of the fittest and, uh, you know, and also the, the kind of guy that will say, yeah, you got to take this bullshit from me right. because that's part of it. Right. You know, I remember a guy oh, – I worked with this guy. Take your lumps. It was me and this other guy. It was just the two of us. He was headlining and I was opening for him. We were doing this like tour of Ohio where we went to all these little towns in Ohio and he was like this kind of hacky guy and I would – Watch him go. I would eat it, and then I would watch him go up and destroy. Of course. And then he would go on forever because the crowd was loving him. And and then I had to wait. And then afterwards, I had to go up yep. and say, thanks for coming to the show. Yep. Good night. And so I challenged him on it after the show. Like, why do I have to go up? Because we were kind of friends. Right. You know? This guy – and I, I speak ill of him now because I realized later on, that guy was an asshole to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we – I was the opener. He was the headliner. We – he – I, I did not drive at the time. He got a rental car because he didn't want to put the miles on his own car. Um, made me pay for half of that. Hmm. Made me pay for half of the gas, even though I was making like a tenth of what he was making. Right. Right. And his rationale for it all was, Dude. well, because you wouldn't have the gig otherwise. That's the way I figure it. You know, so you kind of owe me that. Can't we extend some grace here? <laughs> so, just some. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you're making more money than I am. And uh, so and he and you asked me to do it. The headliner you know? pays for dinner. It's the name yeah. of my second book. Yeah. The headliner. <laughs> That's right. For dinner. Which I don't think ever happened either. It, it has. I don't to think happen. that ever. At happened. least, hopefully, you're re- you're redeeming with this, this dude. I don't yeah, think it with ever that happened. Dude, I understand. And so he. So I said, "Do I really have to go up there at the end of the show and say thanks for coming? Like, yeah. there's nothing to announce, you know?" And he was like, "Yeah, you have to do it because I had to do it. You know, it's part of it's part of uh, you know the 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 yeah. whatever, like the chain of command or dues. whatever. The yeah, dues. They want dues. you to eat some shit. Yeah, just because they had to. Eat and it's like, crow. well, why don't we break that now? <laughs> why don't yeah. we stop that now? There's no need for that. There's no need. for You're that. bringing back. It's it's a truly humiliating and painful experience to go up after you didn't do that well. Yeah. Or you, let's say you didn't do well at all. Yeah. Then he goes up and destroys, and then yeah. you have to come back up and say thanks for coming. No one's yeah. listening to you. That didn't build any character. You know what I mean? That did not serve to make me a better comedian. It only made us uh, bitter and resentful on this topic because I remember (laughs) doing that for a guy and I – oh, God. I won't say his name, but I – Say it. No. No. (laughs) It's that show now? No, it's not. It is not. Uh, I never want to know the names, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You wouldn't wouldn't know this guy. And that's the point. As I I open for him – and I, I was really trying my best. I was sweating and I was just young and chubby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I bring him up and he killed with the most like really, really bad shit. Like yeah. he literally had a bit about how Scooby-Doo and Shaggy were high all the time. That's why they wanted them Scooby snacks. Oh. So I'm watching him destroy, also kind of learning the power of charisma. He was very charismatic. Yes. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm learning something from him. He's not total garbage, but he's yeah. just not what I'm trying to do. And then afterwards, he smoked a joint in the parking lot. And I'm standing there still wet for my performance. Yeah. And he's like, I'll never forget. He looked at me 
kind of condescending and looked down at me and was like, he had some funny stuff in there. And it was like, but he said it in a way of like, you were really bad tonight. Yeah. Like, you sucked. He didn't say it in a nice way. Yeah. And I'm haunted by that. But though there is something. Really? Not, no, not, not, not anymore. I oh, was okay. haunted right, by right, that. Right, right, right. Yes. It, 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 I was just talking to somebody. I had lunch But you can day. still remember how it felt. Yes. You still remember how it felt. Yes. I was talking to a young comic. I went to lunch with a younger comic and we were talking about uh, jealousy and we were mm-hmm. talking about that burning need to want to do things. And before you've done anything – and I'm talking about succeeding in, in clubs, succeeding mm-hmm. at shows, putting it on an album, a late night appearance, a half hour, all these different things that whatever's on your personal checklist of the things you want to accomplish as a performer, before you have them, it's very painful. Like there's, oh, yeah. a, there's a burning yeah. in your loins yeah. that you can't stand. It's a wonder – Anyone does anything with it productive. Yeah. Because it just feels like cancer. Yeah. And it feels like pain. Absolutely. And when I go home to see my parents over the holidays or I go for a walk around my high school, I remember the pain oh, yeah. of being in that place and the yearning, like Daniel Plainview, the yearning to do something yeah. and knowing that I didn't have it yet. Yeah. I remember going up on stage one time and I was terrible. And I was like, I know the cadence of how to kill. It's like this. And then you laugh, but I don't know the words yet. Yeah. I just don't have the words yet. And it was very, very painful. Yeah. And then I, I hang out with people, but we talk about that that hate and that pain and that jealousy, if you see other people succeeding, mm-hmm. is cancer. It can turn oh, into cancer. It will kill you and absolutely. it will end you. Absolutely. And I said this to him. I was like, when Aziz and I came up around the same time in New York, and Aziz shot up very quickly. And I had also just gotten there. Mm-hmm. And I shot up quickly, but not Aziz quick. Yeah. Pete quick. Yeah. These are terms. <laughs> so Aziz shot up really, really quickly, and I had a healthy amount of like, what the fuck is going on here? He's yeah. doing things that I want to do, and it's he's such seems- a not. I don't want to derail you, but that is such a weird thing. Yes. just because someone is a contemporary of yours, <laughs> yep. that you think, well, this is supposed to. Yeah, we're all supposed to happen at the yeah. same time. I should also get the exact. <laughs> I should be the. I was here the same time he was. It's so stupid. You're yeah. absolutely right. It doesn't right. make any sense. So I started to feel this jealousy and this burning. And then I would hang out at uh, Rafifi or whatever and I'd have a drink and there'd be a couple guys at the bar mm-hmm. and they're talking about how they fucking can't stand how fast Aziz is coming up. Yeah. They didn't hate his comedy or they didn't hate him. They couldn't Just believe the success. it. Just the success. Yeah. But these guys were a little – they were older than I was. They'd been doing it longer than I had. Yeah. And they had it. And that's when I had to go like, oh, I can't partake in this. This, yeah. this is like a cancer support group. Yeah, yeah. They sit around and they talk about how big their tumor is. Yes. And then they die. Oh, and yeah. you know what? Two years later, all those guys weren't doing comedy anymore. They died from cancer. They died from comedy cancer. Wow. They got out of it. They got out. Yeah. They couldn't take yeah, it. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. But, the, but also we can encourage it or can discourage it. If we have that hate for someone like Aziz, someone, whoever it is that's shooting up, it's always going to be somebody. Yeah. If we have that, you have to – you can't participate in no, it. No, because it's not – it's not about – it's not really about success. It has to be – the number one thing, first and foremost, has to be about am I as good as I want to be? Oh, that's perfectly put. Do you know, right? Perfectly put. And it's like the success. Yes, of course you want that. Of course you want that. And of course – it's like everybody is human. Everybody gets jealous. Everybody has their moments. But when – and it's and – it, and I will say – you can definitely fall into periods where you will feel that for a long time yeah. and it's hard to climb out of that, but you can climb out of it. But when it's, when it just becomes all about that, yeah. all about that, where yeah. even you, that's when you do need to get out of it. 
It's like, well, obviously the the comedy part was not as important to you. So why did you bother in the first place? Right. Well, I think <laughs> why for, did you just get a traditional job, work your way up the ladder? Right. You know, if you're just putting in your time somewhere, yeah, 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 put yeah. in your time somewhere. I think, yeah. you know, a lot putting of your time somewhere where the amount of time you put in actually matters right. to your success. That's it's like so we got to promote funny. this guy. He's been here for ten years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like a painting. I, I've heard people say about a painting like it took me eighteen hours or whatever, and you're like, no one gives a fuck. We want a good painting. I don't give a fuck. There's no little card that says this took me 18 hours at the bottom at the museum. You know what I mean? Well, maybe there should be. <laughs> Smash cut maybe two. Paul F. Tompkins <laughs> and Pete Holmes have a museum that tells you how long it took. That was a good song. <laughs> it only took me two seconds to make. <laughs> then we pull out. There's a plaque and the show That's is right. the world you blowing up. You press a button. The song plays. Yeah. And then <laughs> it says it took him two seconds. And then a, a tinier plaque like <laughs> drops out. Telling you when the plaque was made? Oh, I like that now, too. <laughs> Are we high? <laughs> <laughs> We're high on that failed meter. Uh, that's oh, I right. got that failed meter high. Oh, there's nothing better than a failed meter. Is there? <laughs> um, oh, God. Well, okay, so yeah, am I being funny enough? Am I being funny enough? Absolutely. There, yeah. there, was, there was an intro to the book, I'm embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. When I was starting out, I bought a book called How to Be a Working Comic. I don't mm-hmm. recommend it. For example, it's like you got to have business cards. Business cards with something funny on them, you know, stuff like that. It's totally – it was outdated when I was reading it. But <laughs> Ray Romano cards. wrote the intro and he says uh, – you can tell it was probably begrudging, like a favor. Yes, exactly. And he wrote, be funny. Yeah. That's what he – he was like and, – and then he all he talks about is being funny. He's like, yeah. please – just be funny. Yeah. Not business cards, not who you meet, not showing up at something. And that stuff will come into place. Wait a minute. If you're funny. Now, is this you uh, adding to that or is this, was he saying all he, this? Oh, stuff? no, he didn't say that in oh, the okay. intro to the I book. I would love it if he, like in the intro, he <coughs> no, refutes no, no. the entire book. He kind of did, but not that on the nose. <laughs> Able to slip it past the author. Yeah, yeah. Well, the author was like, like I got to run this. It's, uh, listen, Ray you're going to read a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> You know what's funny, though? The act of buying the book. A lot of people do that when they're starting stand-up. Buying the book is the thing. It's not yeah. reading the book. It's not employing the principles of the book. Yeah, you yeah. want to put $17 down on the idea. You're betting on yourself. You're like, I'm going to do stand-up. So you That's buy right. a book. I used to read every book I could find on stand To get you thinking about it in a different way. Yes. And, and leading to, the, to, to make the, this, uh, this idea into a concrete thing. Yeah. Like, I'm doing this now. And yeah. that led to the superstition that I still maintain, where if you think too much about comedy, or if you read about comedy before you do comedy, you're about to do some bad comedy. <laughs> you are, like, I will have a bad show. Sometimes people will come up to me before shows, and they're like, Pete, do you have any advice? This does not happen often. Mm-hmm. It's like a Steve Martin bit. Steve, how can you be so fucking funny? People come up to me, and they're like, Pete, give me some advice. It doesn't, it's always other comedians. It's just my peers or whatever, guys that are a couple years behind me or whatever, and they're like, how do you this, that, or the mm-hmm. other? Or what are your thoughts on this, this, or this? Or is this hack, or is this original? Or how did you find your voice? Something huge, some huge question. And I'll, I'll start answering because I, you know, I love talking about that stuff. Yeah. And then I'll go, I'm going to now have a bad set because we talk this way. And it, it doesn't happen every time, but I'll be up there and you're doing your comedy and you're also like, oh, this is my voice. <laughs> you know, like you're, yes, over, you you're overthinking it and I you're like, you mean, yeah. I'm doing what I do. Do you know, I've had that with um, the, the, the first time in a new place for me is always a little anxious. Yep, you know, sure. First time on a new stage um, and I was in um, – South Carolina. I was in Charleston, South Carolina. I never performed there before, <coughs> and uh, I. It's a habit now for me that I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I won't have an opener. I'll go out and I'll do like 
you know, 10 to 20 minutes of just stream of consciousness, just riffing, oh, great. you know, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun and it's become a, a staple for, for my, in my shows and, and, uh, because they need that lubricating time. Yes. Yeah. 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 The times that I've opened for myself, I call that opening for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You open for yourself. I at call college, that too. Yeah. You go out uh, there, uh, you know, I, I'm not in a position where I bring people, so I'm just going out yeah. and sometimes it would be like. I'd be talking to the students that brought me and then you go up on stage like literally you're just like, okay, you introduce yourself yeah. and then you have to like do what you're saying. Just yeah. kind of – you can't just be like, so I grew up in Birmingham. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not going to work. Absolutely. Go you, on. People have to ease into it and, and uh, so I, I I became – right before I went on stage, I became really self-conscious about the idea that I was going to go out and improvise. <laughs> and I was thinking about it while I was on stage and it became so – fucking hard <laughs> yeah. to like keep my mind open and let stuff just flow because I was so aware of it and then it was it was going and then the rest of the show I it took me so many people talking me into the idea that I had a good show afterwards really because I was like was that all right because I felt so weirdly disconnected from everything from that moment on right. I was just like I'm not oh this is not quite I'm still getting used to everything yeah. like I'm still like that's where I'm still looking can... around the room like where are the seats and where are the lights and you know all that stuff and I felt and I fe- but it was one of those things where thank god there's still a a performance um muscle that takes over whereas like I gave it everything that I had, but I didn't enjoy it. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. I, I, I honestly got to feel like I put on a good show, yeah. but I didn't, I did not enjoy it. I've, it wasn't fun for me. This is a phenomenon that I, that I've uh, been experiencing lately, which is where you bombed and only, you know, it. yeah, 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 yeah. You're the only one yeah. that's where, and it's not because like some extra, uh, savvy comedy fan would know that you bombed. Yeah. Literally. It's just inside. Yeah. yeah You're yeah. just grappling with some sort of, Weird. You can't shut off your inner monologue. Yeah, it's a. It's again. I, I know I make this comparison a lot, but it's like sex. You can have sex. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Functional intercourse with a girl, with your with your wife, and let's just say it. She thought it was great, and everything worked technically. You're talking about the muscle, <laughs> right? In this case, penis. Uh, but you know, you couldn't stop thinking about if you locked the car. Yeah, or you couldn't yeah, yeah, stop yeah, yeah. thinking about. When the last time you washed the sheets was, or whatever it was, yes. took you out of it. Other so thoughts she, intrude. So you bombed, but she doesn't know it necessarily. Right. But you know that when you're mentally- she got hers. <laughs> she got that sweet fall left Tom Dick. <laughs> so you know that there's a, an intellectual presence required to have a really transcendent, wonderful yeah. set. And that's part of our job. That's what's interesting is for you to designate a 20 minute segment to say, this will be the magic time. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's weird. Exactly. That's kind of our job is to go, I'm going to take something. Yeah. I'm going to make a good conversation happen. That's yeah. what we're trying to do right now. We yes. just met in the morning. And we're like, we're going to try and have a good conversation. And we trust and that. force it, it. Yes. And we trust. Yeah. Well, not force it. Not but force we will, it, but we yes. want it to happen. Absolutely. It's like a seance. We're trying to Ooh. we're trying to make a spirit show up. Oh, and at the beginning of your show, you're trying to make the spirit of free form connection with the crowd, with the space, happen. Now we That's joke, your job. We joke around a lot, but this is starting to scare me. <laughs> I am afraid of ghosts. Uh, are, are you really? No. Oh, that would be the best. That would be I, so cool. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> You're the best. I, <laughs> I 
I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Do you know why? Because they don't exist. You don't think ghosts exist? No. You know, I, I was just talking to Kumail about this where I was like, uh, ghosts, he was like, we were talking about ghosts existing. <laughs> I don't know why. Something scary came up. We saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a woman. What brought that up? I saw like a transparent woman riding a goat. <laughs> yeah, but she had the goat's head, and that's sure. right. Kumail has a bit about a woman with a ghost face. That's probably where that came from. Mm. Anyway, talking about ghosts, and he was like, "Well, ghosts don't exist." And I was like, "Tell that to the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have seen ghosts." That's what I would tell them, though. <laughs> I, oh my god! I would say you were you were incorrect. <laughs> you uh, a ghost. Really? Yeah. Mind playing tricks on you? Yeah. Oh, I, I think the I think the human mind is so insanely complex, and the 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 things that it can do to itself. I yeah. think we have we will never even scratch the surface of it. I think that's true. Yeah. I, I whenever people are even talking about the the idea like that matrixy, Bill Hicks talked a lot about mm-hmm. like the whole idea that our brains are just creating everything, the power of our mm-hmm. brains, that reality, it's just a ride, it's just it's all fabricated, it's all fake. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right because I've taken mushrooms and I'm mm-hmm. like, holy shit, my brain, if it wants to, with the aid of this substance, can create the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in the world. How about dreams where you're not even trying to think of that stuff? You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I'm so happy that you brought that. I, I, I'm a very good lucid dreamer. I'm mm-hmm. good at like uh, dreaming. Like right. you can be good at dreaming. And like, are you a dreamer? I am a dreamer, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, but you're I don't not the look, only one? Okay, recall. come on. We're having fun. We're having fun. We are having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Red-headed Jew. I don't. Uh, <laughs> See, I couldn't remember. Beer bottle on store. <laughs> Be a bottle on stool. Uh, I don't. I don't recall my dreams every night, but um, I my dreams run the gamut from being uh, fantastic and amazing and cinematic yes. to really boring. Yeah, where I will have dreams about shopping, <laughs> like in the grocery <laughs> store, and like yeah. looking up and down the aisles for something. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know what? I, what I find you want a couple of lucid dreams. You ever lucid dream? I don't know exactly what that is. Lucid dreaming is where you, in the dream, go, oh, I'm dreaming. I have had that happen. And yeah. I am going to do whatever I want. I, I have found that when I, when, I am, when I become aware that I'm dreaming, I wake up. It's a trick. Yeah. It's a trick. You literally can work out this muscle. And either this is interesting or this is the worst. That's, that's how dreaming goes. So I'll yes. keep it brief. Yeah, yeah. The way to lucid dream for me, it's better with a nap. Mm-hmm. The, the best way to do it is like on a Saturday, you don't have to get up. You get up at like 8 and mm-hmm. you urinate. Then you go back to sleep. Sure. If there's like a back to sleep situation, yes. you lie down and you lie on your back and you try to start dreaming before you fall asleep. I know mm-hmm. that – you know how you can daydream? Yes. yes. Do that yes, and then yes, that yes. will merge into the dream. And I swear every time I feel like uh, – I feel this weird surge, like a jet engine of air pushing on me. I almost feel like I'm being pushed on the bed and then I'll open my eyes but I'm in a dream. And it's amazing. Wow. It's the coolest thing in the world. I would love to be able to do that. And I can, I can only make it last. Oh, Peter, are you going to induct me into a cult? Ah, if, is that what this is all about? If someone were to, wouldn't it be this face? <laughs> That's all I want to say about lucid dreaming. But it's, it's one of the, I, I agree with you uh, that the brain has a capacity for bullshit and to create things that not, aren't necessarily happening. But I think for a reason. I think it's always for a reason. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I, I, if I, you see a ghost, if you see a ghost, your brain there's a. I think there is a, 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 a some sort of biological imperative. Your brain is trying to help you in some way. Interesting. You know, there's a purpose there. I think there's a purpose for it. I think there's I think there's always an evolutionary purpose for the things that we do. 
So it shows you a woman. Let's think of a classic ghost. You're in sure. some cottage, and you go to the bathroom, and mm-hmm. then you see a woman crying mm-hmm. on a bed, mm-hmm. and you see it, and then it disappears. Get out of that cottage. You think so? Your brain is trying to tell you get out of that cottage. <laughs> I, I don't know. Look, I, I I do not. I don't have. I don't have a. Um, a complete answer to sure. why do we see ghosts? But I, seems- I do say I do believe that uh, there that it's not it's just not happening. You know, I just don't think that it's happening. I feel like that's I feel like all belief or disbelief is a choice, and I feel like you're choosing to not believe because you could probably choose to believe. You could be like, I know it's probably bullshit, but I just think that's happening. I don't think you can choose. I don't think I could say from now on I'm going to believe in ghosts. Don't you, couldn't you feel like I don't know it's the phenomenon that. if I told you a ghost story at the end of it, like a real one? Yeah. At the end of it, for want to hear my favorite ghost story ever? Sure. It's it's the reason it's great is it's thirty seconds long. It's the best one ever. All right. And I, of course, I got it from like secondhand. So this woman is going up up to the Cape Cape Cod mm-hmm. to go to a summer house. It's the middle of the day. Her and her like five year old son is in the in shotgun right mm-hmm. in the passenger seat. She goes and gets the keys from the realtor. She just wants to go to this big old house where they're going to spend the summer. Make sure everything's okay. She leaves the kid in the car. Goes to the porch. Unlocks the door. Looks around. Everything's fine. Locks the door on the porch. She hears like someone standing over her shoulder. Get out. Pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Standard ghost story thing. She turns. No one is there. Mm-hmm. Fine. She gets back in the car. She's a little rattled. Starts the car. Five-year-old in the passenger seat goes, what did that man want? Best ghost story there's ever pretty been. pretty good. That's the best ghost story there's ever been. Because now, there's like a punchline. Now, here's the thing. Yes, exactly. There's yeah. a, a beautiful button on it. It's a beautiful button. The um, tag is, why was he naked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's punch up a ghost story. Uh, go on. Um, that uh, that still has the power to creep me out. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Right. I'm still I I am still uh, unnerved by stories like that. I'll, I'll still get a shiver, <coughs> and uh, I've heard a lot of ghost stories that have creeped me out. But it never. I, I don't know if it's a thing where it's just because I have not had the evidence of my own senses tell me that I'm seeing a ghost. Yep. That I do not believe in it. But I it's uh, choice of belief. I think is an interesting. Idea because it. I don't think that I don't. I don't look at it that way. I don't think you. Get, I don't think you choose what you believe in. You I think either something makes sense to you or you it doesn't. I actually, you know, it's interesting that you brought that up. I have been in my own religious exploits mm-hmm. when I talk to people that I grew up with who are religious, yeah, or who were religious, and I grew up very religious. The people who I know who remain religious mm-hmm. tell me that they choose to believe. And uh, this can't, I can't say that's uh, the majority of Christians or anything, but a lot of the people that I know, when I push them, I go, what about this, this, or this, these counter arguments to uh, the Bible being true or whatever? And they yeah. go, nah, I've heard it all before. My life is better because I have this in it. This, this works for me. I'm choosing to believe it. I guess that's a, 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 that's that's a thing that's, that doesn't make sense to me anymore because I grew up religious and was religious for uh, the first uh, you know quarter of my life you know until I until I got out in the which world. One? I would say um, I probably stopped being religious altogether. Which religion? I mean, oh, Catholic. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought you meant which quarter of my life. Uh, <laughs> I said very clearly the first. <laughs> also, it's being very optimistic that I'm, giving, I'm saying I have three. Three more quarters to go. And maybe I'm in the – which one am I in now? Maybe I'm in the second quarter. Um, so uh, I, I absolutely believed uh, 
you know, in God and Christ, and uh, uh, it, it very profoundly yep. you know, was a part of my life. And then um, my belief eroded over the course of time as, as I as I met people with other belief systems, and I and I I read about other uh, religions and and uh, the religions of the world. And it just made less and it really just made less and less sense to me. And then after a while, it was just like, no, I don't, I don't think there's a god. You know, hmm. I don't think oh, so that there's a god. You're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, but it was not a choice for me. You know, and and I and but when I was religious, that was not a choice either. When I believed in God, it was just like that was an absolute. Like, yes, I believe that there is a god. It right. was not like. It was not. I it, so when it when I stopped believing, it, to me, it did not come down to like I'm gonna I'm gonna go this way now. Yeah, you know, I tried that. Now I'm going to. You're just saying your brain, kind of like you knew you wanted to be in show business. Something clicked, and you were like, "Oh, this makes sense." Yeah, this this part makes sense. I'm a little disturbed. I'm not heartened by the number of people that I've talked to where they're like, "I don't need it to necessarily make logical historical sense." Right. But see, I I totally can understand the the people that say. Because uh, I, I know what you mean. I can understand the people that say, I think that there is something yep. that is larger than all of us yep. that has uh, put this into place, that is that is watching over it. I get that. I totally get that. That 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 the the idea of because, I mean, that's really going to be the eternal question is 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 this all an accident or was this by design? Um, <laughs> but it's when people say like all the stuff in the in the in the New Testament. You know about the life of Christ um, and the miracles and the the virgin birth and all of that stuff. If you're, I don't know where your mind is able to say, yes, this is a fantastical story that I might not take as literal. I, I don't know how you have that duality of like, yeah, I think this is crazy, but I choose to, I choose I, to accept that. But it that's happens. that's who I'm talking about. It's yeah, kind, it's kind of. I don't know. I kind of. Uh, I don't know if I enjoy it, but when you're just saying it. I kind of respect somebody that's like open to the idea. Like, look, I understand how this might seem bonkers to you, yeah. But I believe that this is what God gave us, yeah. for better or worse. It's this uh, book written by men, mm-hmm. and certainly there's been some telephone gaming, and there's been some things changed or whatever. It doesn't matter. This is how it showed up to me, yeah. And I know there's something, something in my gut says there's something. So I'm going to choose to participate in this because it works for me. Mm-hmm. The believers that I know that I respect the most, uh, I'll be like. Talking to my friend, uh, I won't say his name. But I'll be like, "What if? What if when we die, it's just over?" He's like, "It doesn't matter. I'm not doing this to get into heaven. I'm doing this because right. the teachings of Christ work for me. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, what if I tell you that uh, his story parallels all these other stories that predate Christianity? All this uh, blah blah. Who cares?" And he's like, "I, I hear what you're saying. I, Jesus works for me. I'm going to stick with this one." Yeah. And then you can look at it scientifically and be like, "That's absurd." Either something's true or it's not. Or you can kind of be in this artistic, meandering middle. I kind of feel like the only position to be in is somewhere in between the two, where believing in God and not believing in God and wrestling it with it your whole life and being like, I have no fucking idea, but I'm going to look every day and pay attention every day and talk to people like you, talk to other people, and just see where I can end. There's part of me that wants to punch that opinion in the face because I'm just like, you should choose, you should believe or not believe. And then there's part of me that's like, but that's exactly where I am. But I don't, because, and I, and again, I think it gets back to, it's not a choice. It's you either believe or you don't. And I, but I don't think that's a bad thing. 
Right. You know, I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing to believe in God. I, I my only thing is the it's the organization of it. Sure. It's the it's the every religion has its own rules and it says here's what we believe and you have to absolutely believe all this stuff if you want to call yourself this thing. If you want to say you're a Roman Catholic, this is all the stuff that Roman Catholics believe and you have to believe it all. Right. And what's so funny to me is all the Catholics that I knew uh who had premarital sex. So are you still a Catholic? Like these are people that are going to go and they're going to march in front of an abortion clinic and, and, you know, um, and they're going to hold signs and stuff like that. It's like, what about the, I know you had sex with her right. before you guys got married. <laughs> so how is that? Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, it's either you, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. It's, it's like, you can't just pick and choose and like, well, this God's not going to be mad if we yeah. have sex yeah. before marriage. It's like, well, that's the whole, that's one of the things, right. you know, that's one of the rules. I used to be that way too. And then I had sex of course. before I got married. Yes. And it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I had sex before I got married. And then I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. And I did. Yeah. And then uh, we got divorced. But like. Uh, I used to be like in for a penny and for a pound. And then I think religion and even the church exists in that kind of uh, not bullshit, but just that sort of like ether mm-hmm. of like guys that are having sex with uh, their girlfriends before they get married, but are also against abortion. It's it's like it kind of, it's not so black and white. And I think uh, the church like uh, in. But it's supposed to be black and white. It's supposed to be, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So it's. I feel like it's the the problem I have is that there is it supposed to be. That's, that's I think the that's definition what we, that's of what it. we've turned it into. That, that's what. No, no, no. I think that's what. I think that's what the, the church is. The, organiza- the organization of religion. Each of those organizations, they are very black and white about things. So Pope Benedict is not saying like. Listen, no condoms except I guess you know I don't know like if you. If you if it's late and you're drunk or whatever, like you know, use a condom, you know. Um, but he should. That's where it should be. Well, it should be. It should be getting to the 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 principles of. It should be the principles of Christ, and it should not be um, a lot of this. Uh, you know, a lot of what Christ said in the New Testament was saying, "Hey, I know it says this in the Old Testament, yeah, but here's what I know. Here's what we're doing now. It's a big deal. Yeah, we're not doing an eye for an eye anymore. Now we're doing turn the other cheek. Yeah. You know? So the 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 problem that I had, one of the problems that I had with the with the Catholic Church is there's still all this leftover stuff from. Are we still worried about Onan? You know what mm, I mean? Nice Onan reference. Yeah, I mean, is that still is that, a huge problem? Jerking off is still a huge problem. Have we talked, you know? Katie? Have we talked about Onan on the show before. I feel like it comes <laughs> up a lot. Welcome aboard, Onan. The, the the law that Onan broke actually was that he was supposed to give his br- dead brother's wife a baby, and he pulled out. He spilled his seed on the ground, and they. But he pulled out. He was fucking a vagina. <laughs> right. And then we turned that into don't masturbate. Yeah. Which is just see this. This was the first problem that I had when I was a ute. When I was a youth, what is that? Uh, uh, fucking my cousin, my Vinny cousin Vinny, That's right. Jesus, Fred Gwynn. Too soon. Uh, <laughs> too soon, Fred Gwynn. When I was in church, I was like, you know, I've scoured the Bible for something about masturbating, and mm. you're really forcing it. Yes, and somehow. Exactly. At some point, religion, when I was a teenager, became don't swear, don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't drink. Yeah. And then you look at the Bible, and it's like, love God, love your neighbor, sort of thing. Yeah. I'm glad that it kept me out of that stuff just mm-hmm. for other reasons. But and that see that goes back to the choosing. It's like might be bullshit, but it keeps your kids off uh off drugs maybe. You can still do that without religion though. You I know. know what I mean? But it takes more effort. I think it's easier to send them to church. Uh 
I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's good or what I'd like to but do. But I but there was just as many kids in in church with me who were wildcats, you know, who yeah. were like going out and uh and and doing drugs and having sex and like yeah, you know probably I mean? more so to rebel against. Uh, probably, yeah. It, you know? I mean, it could go. You know, it, it's not a it's not a surefire thing. Yeah, it's, not, it's no guarantee that your kid is going to lead. Well, that that and it gets back to that argument uh, of do you need religion in order to live a moral life? You know, right? And uh, you know, you, you you don't. I I have to date murdered no one, <laughs> and I think I have I think I have now not believed longer than I have believed. That's interesting. Yeah. That must be a weird milestone. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's an interesting milestone. I, but you, I, I, we've said this on the show before. Everybody, all these comedians that I, that I talk to are atheists with a couple exceptions. And far, far, uh, I think if we've learned anything, what am I wrapping it up? If we've learned anything, it's that uh, a lot of uh, my atheist friends are very moral. Actually, to a point, uh, like they make a point of being very moral. Mm-hmm. They don't steal even when they could get away with it. And it's not for fear of hell. It's because they want to contribute to society in a good way. It's it, not only not for fear of hell, but because this this might be all we have. And so let's make it nice. Yeah. Let's make it as nice as possible. I was just saying that to a friend of mine who I, I went to high school with and we grew up religious. Mm. And uh, I, re- I recently lost some weight. And we were talking about it. And he's, he's doughy uh, and lovely. And he's probably going to hear this. I think dough is lovely. Yeah, dough, dough is I, – I consider myself doughy. But we were talking about weight, and he was like, yeah, I've let myself go a little bit. And I was like, well, I'm trying to get – and I was like, we grew up religious, and I was like, the, the more I consider that maybe this is all we have, the more I'm kind of like, should watch my cardiovascular health. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins in a gym suit, fresh from the gym. That's right. Fresh from the gym. That's right. Making sure it lasts. <laughs> uh, well, you, we, covered, we covered religion beautifully and uh, comedy <laughs> at length. And uh, the, the last thing we usually talk about is relationships. One thing I wanted to ask you – before we talk about uh, sex, is um, <laughs> we call it sex. It's more of a buzzword. Uh, what era do you belong in? I had this interesting conversation with John Mulaney, another comedian, a uh, friend of mine, who feels like he belongs in the 20s. <laughs> uh, and we had this interesting conversation. We were standing around with a group of us, and we were like, what era does everyone belong in? Everyone was like, Mulaney, 20s. You probably get the 20s, 30s. Oh, yeah. People say stuff like that to me all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun little game to play. Well, I don't. I guess it's for me it's weird because I think of myself as very much living in the modern world and I love the modern world yes. you know and I would not I it's it's I don't I, I would not want to I don't wish that I was you know born no. in another era you know Are you drawn to films See this is where it would this is where it would serve us to get new age Yes you know what yeah. I will tell you this Yes and this I will admit about myself because I always I always get defensive about it and I realize well it's not that's not fair because because of the way I dress and uh, and the way I speak and everything, of course people are going to make th- those uh, th- those assumptions and and they're going to make those uh, comments and stuff. So, you know, I I I do. I guess it. I guess it's because I don't want to be summed up or I don't want to be right. I understand. I don't want to be. Um, I don't want somebody to think they have me uh, that they understand what I that I'm. I don't. I don't want people to put words in my mouth or put an emotion in my heart. You know. But there's there's an era that I am always always drawn to, and uh, it is the 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 Sherlock Holmes era. Yes, it's Vic, it's Victorian England. What a great the, choice! The way it looks, I love that aesthetic yeah. so much. I wish that steampunk didn't have to be some sort of cult that people are in. What is it? Steam- steampunk. 
Which is like that that sort of <coughs> you know sort of Jules Vernean melding of like wood oh, and and a rocket ship you yeah. know like that kind of thing yeah which I love the way that stuff looks but I don't want to like right. join a movement you know what I mean I don't want to I can't be joined in movement yeah, over here I just want to like the way that stuff looks that's all <laughs> I. Uh... Yeah, I think it's a sign that I'm uh, getting older that I was like, I'd like to see the new Sherlock Holmes movie just because of the architecture and stuff. I was like, that'll look nice. I, I bet I, there are leather-bound yeah. books. I saw the first one, and uh, and I loved I loved the way it looked. I didn't think it was like a great movie, but I loved the right. way that it looked. Yeah. You know? Well, those suits are right up uh, PFT. The clo- but it's everything. Straight you up. Know? Yeah. It's, it's, so that's, that's like – and I like historical fiction a lot, you know, yeah. which is kind of a thing I realized recently. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think – but I think I was afraid to say that because it's – sounds so terribly that to me it, it when i would hear that phrase before historical fiction i would think oh that sounds terrible right but then i realized i think i like a does lot that of just that mean stuff. old fiction i think it means uh historical fiction is where you take uh, uh real people from history uh, and you write a novel like where uh-huh. they're the protagonist or they're involved in some way uh-huh. um like i read this uh this book that i really really loved and i can't wait for this guy to, to write another book um, uh, an author named Glenn David Gold uh, wrote a book called Sunnyside um, that was all about um, uh, there were there were people like uh, Charlie Chaplin and, and uh, oh. um, uh, real life people from from World War One that were that were in this book and it was uh, it was it was just a great book I really really enjoyed it. his previous book was Carter Beats the Devil um, about this uh, this stage magician from around that time as well and. Um, it's just I just really loved it. I love that that blending of I think it's like a comic book thing too, you know, of blending of uh, of uh, of of real life people with this, you know, yeah. uh, this made up world. You know, My, I think the thing that would appeal for me about that is when you're reading a book that has Charlie Chaplin and I don't have to do the mental work of trying to <laughs> construct exactly. what he looks like. Yeah. It's like skip yeah, the yeah. description. I got yeah. it. <laughs> little little Hitler mustache. Exactly. I got it. Bowler yeah. hat. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I, I'm an idiot and I like reading books. Like I read the book sideways after I. I saw the movie and I was like, it's already been cast. Right. Yeah. Now I can exactly. see, oh, there's Paul Giamatti doing what he do, doing what he, oh, this but part's then, a deleted do scene. Do they describe people and then it's not the same as the I'll just, I'll overlook that. I'll be like, no, he has crooked teeth and he's balding. There we go. Yeah. That's my version. Yeah. My version. So you're married? Yes, I am. How's that going? It's going great. Oh, that's lovely. I love being married. Uh, when did you get married? I got married uh, a little over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. And uh, it says on Wikipedia that she is a word pretender. That's what my friend Will Calhoun calls actors. <laughs> Who's this friend of yours? <laughs> you think that's a bad thing to call him? Word pretender. <laughs> the disappointment on your face. It doesn't. The disappointment. I don't think that scans, though. Word pretender. They read the words. Yeah. And then they pretend. He's a writer. So you could Ooh, see that well, he might think. He, that, that would make him a word pretender. He is also a word pretender. Yeah. Also, uh, he, he did do some word pretending in the other way. See, this is this is typical of a writer that he has to get the word part in there. Ah, perfect. Acting is about pretending. It's not about like, oh, first they <laughs> – he has to put in, first they look at the words. Ah, this is the best. Oh. So I'm going to rescind that. Your wife is going <laughs> to – I'm going to abandon that immediately. <laughs> Your wife is an actress. Yes. Um, and you met her sipping a mint julep in a white suit on a porch. I did meet her there. That's right. We and, met through mutual friends. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, okay, so she's an actress and you're a comedian. 
And this is a thing. And I've had musicians and other uh, listeners uh, in different crafts interested in this portion of the who is right for weirdos, which is mm-hmm. just – I used to say comedians, but it's really just – uh, introspective people. It's really just kind of people that uh, are in their head and are creative in mm-hmm. whatever field they are or whatever hobbies they are. People like you and I, certainly, uh, you know, in the same field, varietal. Yeah. Who, uh, w- how does your wife mesh into this weird world where you're touring or doing podcasts or buying suits all the time? She, just all the time. <laughs> um, she has done very well with it. It is a weird thing to be, and especially 2010, I want to say, I was on the road a lot. I traveled a lot. You and, were married um, at that time? Yeah. yeah is yeah. she a fan? That was, that, was, that was the year we got married, So on, and we got married in the spring, so on either end of that was a lot of me being in and out of town. Does she come? Uh, sometimes, yeah. If it's... You know, if it's a fun enough city, right. yes, she will go. But there's some cities she does not that need when to you, be there. <laughs> wait, let's say you go to Seattle or something, a great yeah. city, and uh, she comes. How many shows are we going to? You got um, five sh- five shows. How many is the missus going to? Well, uh, th- here's the thing is that uh, – Oh, you do one night. Yeah, I do one night. So since we've been together, she has not had to endure like ah. a – No, you know what? That's not true. Before we got married, I would do um, <coughs> like comics in New York, you know, I remember and comics. she would come with me and that would be like um, uh, three or four nights, yep. you know. So she would, she would come to – Honestly, she would come to more than one of those shows, and I was always surprised. Like, you don't have to co- you can you don't have to come to any of these, by the way. Right. But if you come to one, then great. Just so you're filled in on the experience that I'm having. Right. But there's no pressure at all. Right. Like I let her off the hook with that immediately, and she was. It, that was a, that was a difficult thing for her because she felt like she had to be there to support. But I I was very insistent upon. It. I was like, you do not have to be there right. for every show. Right, and she got that. You know, that, but it's also and that's sincere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but we were also sincere. like we we were we met as as grown ups essentially. You know, we were in our thirties when we got together, so it was like there wasn't so it, it was easier to communicate. You know what I mean? You had learned how to communicate? Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, I learned how to communicate, but but we were also... A we little were, bit of boundaries? We were, we were adults. We were more comfortable in our own skins than we would have been had we met in our 20s. Right. Does that make sense? You Absolutely. Know? So it was like we knew that we weren't bullshitting each other. I've only you know? just begun to learn yeah. how to even begin to communicate. Yeah. And yeah, say yeah. something like... It yeah, takes work. Don't, it's you don't fucking hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really hard because the the biggest thing for me was realizing and and we've both gotten so much better about this st- saying what you really what do you actually think oh it's so you know? difficult you why is have, it so difficult well because because you're you're brought up to be polite and you're brought up to Very you're brought polite. up to subsume uh am i using subsume correctly i think you're you're brought up to uh to suppress your own desires because it's rude to say i don't want to do that yes but it's not. It's fine. And especially if you're going to be in some kind of partnership with somebody, it's got to be okay to say, you know what? I don't want to go to that party or yeah. I don't want to go to that dinner. But then there's also times where you can say, I don't want to go to that dinner, but I'm going to do it right. because we're a team. You know what's funny you know? about that? You know what inner conflict I go through in those sorts of situations? I go like, uh, okay, you're my girlfriend. Paulina. Ooh la la. <laughs> and you want to go to this stupid party for you. Can I be a, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can I be Paulette? Paulette. <laughs> yes, you I may. I'd rather be Paulette. Paulette. Yeah. And your dumb friend Trish is having this party. I, I know you hate her. I hate Trish. 
I want to punch her so hard. She was my maid of honor. I know, I know, I know, I know. I remember. Oh, wait, I accelerated a relationship. We're just boyfriend and girlfriend. I made us married. I apologize. No, we're married. I just don't okay. look at it in, in those terms. <laughs> You're very modern. I'm very modern. You're just my girlfriend forever. Uh, we say that to each other. GFF? My wife. I, I call her my permanent girlfriend. That's great. Yeah. What a lovely little stumble. What a, what a proof of a supernatural mind meld right now. God surely does exist, Paul. Say it. And if she's looking <laughs> down on us right now. Wait. Yeah. Who? I made God a she. <laughs> that got old the first time someone did it. People are still doing when it. When people are like, I don't care what kind of God you believe in. Whatever he or she, oh God, we get it. You're open minded. Yeah. Fuck you forever. So open minded, but you can only conceive. You cannot conceive past gender. Oh God, <laughs> that's that's the problem I'm having with uh, with God. Is what 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 parts does he have? Jeez, oh, Louise. I think if we ever met that creature, it would be terrifying. Huge. Yeah, it's got to be. Can God got to be a dude? It's got. <laughs> Anyway, so Trish is having this. Oh, Trish is having a party, and you're like, I really want you to come with me to Trish's party. Yeah, and I go in my brain. the The process is, I don't want to go. Yeah, I can't say I don't want to go. Yeah, I can because here's why: it's it's rude and unloving, and I love you, Paulette. I love you so much. Well, thank you, and I want to make you happy. Second. I'm going to say I don't want to go, and then she's going to make me go anyway, and Mm -hmm. then I'm going to have fun, and then she's going to go see. You fucking love Trish's house. <laughs> and then I'm going to be wrong because I've been wrong so many times in my life. I yes. can't even trust my own instincts. Do you want to eat this pate? And I'm like, no, that looks disgusting. Then you eat it and you're like, this is the best. So you should just do everything that people ask you to do because maybe you'll enjoy it and it'll please people. But do you really feel that way that you've been wrong so many times you can't trust your own instincts? I guess I'm exaggerating a little bit for comedy. Because it is. I will say uh, here's a similar situation is that I – I my wife and I have become such homebodies and and that I think that's a big part of 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 marriage you know is like hanging out together and gave it up and wanting to Gave you know what up. i mean like hey you know what would be cool right now if we just watch tv yeah. <laughs> we didn't go anywhere you're, yeah no you know you're describing it so i don't i don't go to shows that much anymore to to go to see other shows around town and and it's one of those things where I build it up in my head. It's all about the going to. It's not about what actually happens when you get there. That's a it's Seinfeld bit. It's the traveling. Bit. It really is it a Seinfeld yeah, bit. It's a great, but it, it really is that. It's like, oh my god, I don't want to get dressed. I don't want. Oh no, he says the enjoyment is the going to it. Like going to the movies is fun. Oh no, no, oh. no. I, I, for me, it's the opposite. For me, it is. It's the. It's the. I, I don't want to deal with the anxiety of. Uh, finding my way there, finding parking, you know, uh, who am I going to know when I get there? Like walking, Uh, walking in the door and there's going to be strangers. We just had New Year's and this is what I went through in my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I feel like a little baby boy again. I'm like, am I going to know people? I was with Kumail and Emily. I was like, is this the one where I'm going to know people? Don't leave me. Like just like a little pussy baby boy. And like, where are we going to park? Oh, they're driving. Okay, then I'll go. They're going to drive. How am I going to get back? My, My wife and I, Went to went to a party and it was like an early party and even then, I was like, oh. And I said, but this is great. Like I can say to her, I know I'm gonna have a good time when I'm there because I know the people that are gonna be there and I'll be glad to see them. But I really don't feel like leaving the house right now. That's great. And it helped just to say that out loud. Yeah. 
helped just to say that out loud and to have her say, I know, I know. Instead of me just lurking in the shadows, <laughs> yeah. what is Pete really feeling? He said he wants to go to Trish's, but there was a hesitation. Yeah. And in that hesitation, I could see in his eyes he was burning Trish's goddamn house yeah. down. That's right. He was burning it down and going, leave Trish inside. <laughs> but it also it's also important to say afterwards, you know what? I did have fun at Trish's house. Yeah. You know? I Yeah, I guess, why, why am I so afraid you, of it, the failure yeah. that I was wrong that yeah, I yeah. love Trish's oh, house? Oh, my God. The, the biggest lesson I've learned as an adult is knowing is how, how great it is to admit that you were wrong about something. I, I knew you were going to say it's that. It's so great. You know what's uh, something else I'm trying to get started? Uh, Burger Kinging. Um, keep it crispy. Uh, I forget the other one. Uh, I've been wrong before. When you're wrong, just go, I've been right. wrong before. Yeah. And because it, it, it's for me. It takes yeah. some of the, Here I am contradicting myself. There are times that I'm comfortable being wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? You invite someone to a movie and it sucks and you're like, I've been wrong before. I tried. Yeah. But for some reason in the realm of relationships, it's more like, I can't, I can't be wrong. Why, where does that come yeah. from? I, I, have to win, I have to win this argument. I have to win. I have to be the person who's right and everyone has to acknowledge it. Yeah. yeah. S- signing on for a bill of goods of boyfriend who's good and right and kind and wants to go to Trisha's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really well, you feel. It. I guess you feel like you're going to lose all credibility if you have if you have an argument with your with your significant other, and you say, and at the end of the argument, you say, you know what, you were right. That means that you'll never be right forever. Yeah, you right. Know, I think that's the fear that we have. Man. It's like I am signing away. Yeah. Any any yeah. leverage, any power that I have at all. Well, remember that one time you were wrong about yeah. the you said the honeycomb had gone stale. Exactly. You said honeycomb, so every time you're like, honey, I don't think we should uh, circumcise a kid. Honeycomb. You're like, oh, exactly. Okay, yeah. I guess he's gonna be circumcised. Actually, I think I like circumcision. <laughs> who, who doesn't like it? It's great. The baby. Mm, good oh, point. Shit. Asked and answered. <laughs> Uh, well, that was magical. I feel like, is there something else about relationships? Sometimes that you feel like towards the end of the show, there's a pocket, and you're like, we could wrap it up right here. We could wrap it up right here. This part could not even be in the show. It could have ended. Oh, you could edit it too. I don't edit. Oh, never. No, let it be there. Fair enough. Let it hang on the line. Fair enough, Let the man. neighbors watch us fuck. I li- uh. <laughs> All of the errors and grotesquities. Uh. You ever watch a pornographic film and there is a jump cut and you're like, what happened? <laughs> what did they take out? <laughs> it's always, uh. what went wrong? It's like, uh, uh. Then it's like five I, minutes later, the I sun's lower. You, I never thought about uh, editing in porno but i guess that yeah. has to happen well right? it's rare it's rare it's rare it's rare uh th- then the good guy in me wants to be like i don't use porn a lot but that's you know what, what i'm not defending that i've enjoyed the arts of pornography uh, <laughs> people are people so why should it be <laughs> i feel like i feel like this is good let me say mr Plainview, wait sure Oh, we didn't cover that you wrote for a show who cares we talked about that we didn't cover best week ever we were both on that that's uh, true we covered married you don't feel like a Philly comedian. And then I just wrote Hershey. I used to go to Hershey all the time. <laughs> Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah, we could just mine, ah. mine some comedy out of Hershey, ah. Pennsylvania. It smells delicious in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It does smell delicious. Yes, it does. And they have shitty second-rate, like, uh, dressed-up people. Like, not Mickey Mouse, but it's like a like Oh, a at, at Hershey Reese's Park. peanut butter yes. cup or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this dumb. is lame. Even as really a child, dumb. I was like, this is shit. Yeah. This is shitty. Yeah, and, yeah. and the dolls you can win are all, like, 
C-level cartoons. They didn't have any licensing. Uh, Well, this was the best, man. This is really, really great. I'm so glad that we could do this. And uh, thank you for your candor. Thank you for having Uh, me. And also, um, I I ask the guests to say, keep it crispy. One of the phrases I'm trying to get started. Absolutely. This is a little button for the show. Do you want a particular read on this? Or is it it dealer's choice? Can you give me three? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These are voiceover jokes. And do you want to do you want to direct me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, give me give me a, an emotion. Keep it crispy. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're coming out to your patio. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, this is your summer. Ooh, I like this. this is, I like when it's a scenario. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's a it's a it's a big bear. You have yes. a cabin Ooh, up with a big bear. Yes. Nice uh, dark oak. Uh, not oak, uh, but uh, outdoor wood uh, patio. And you come out, and when you went inside to use the bathroom, Mm -hmm. the party was great. Everybody was having a great time barbecuing. Your wife is there. Right. uh, Fun times. And then when you came back, for some reason, something happened. Something changed in the air, Mm -hmm. and now people aren't having fun. So you're telling them to keep it crispy, kind of like a, what's happened, guys? Keep it crispy. Yeah. I'm not going to give you a read, but that's your direction. And go. Keep it crispy. (laughs) That was a little too desperate. A little, this guy was really worried about the party being a failure. He was really worried about it. Was it was the best. And there was so much acting being done. There was hands and there was hands eye darting. And you didn't get to see it. And that's, <laughs> I think that's the sole purpose I do the show is for to keep it crispy at the end. That's right. So thank you very, Paul. Uh, thank you very, Paul. Hey, you, you are so very Pete. Paul F. Tompkins, everybody. What, Paul, Mr. Paul F. Tompkins on Twitter? What is it? It's uh, at P.F. Tompkins. At P.F. Tompkins on Twitter. We don't have to say the at anymore. P.F. Tompkins. P.F. Tompkins. On Twitter. Yeah. Keep it crispy. Now leaving Nerdist.com.